All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. Listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. My name is James Payne. I'm Dalton Gray. I'm Mariah Humphreys. And today we're going to mix it up a little bit from the uh, theme of, I guess, the last few episodes we've done. We're going to talk a little bit more about just regular old hunting. Uh, everybody listening, welcome to the month of December. Uh, if you're oh, in Alaska, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> get ready. It's going to get worse before it gets better. That really escalated uh, quickly. It <laughs> <laughs> really got out of hand there. But you know, if, if you are in Alaska and it's still December, um, we're going to be talking about this is the last month to go chase, uh, chase some deer around. So yes. we're going to get into that a little bit later on in this episode. Um, but before we do, if you guys like what we're doing here and you'd like to support us, um, Easiest way you can do that is by subscribing to the show, uh, leaving a rating and a written review. Five stars is always best. That really helps the algorithm get this show in front of more people. If you want to help us uh, reach more people that you know, make sure you share the show. Every every little platform has a, a share symbol next to it. And if you go to our socials, um, if you search at the Northern Hunter, then you'll be able to find our Facebook or our Instagram. If you share our stuff with your friends on those, then that really helps us grow as well and we also have a website thenorthernhunter.com uh there's a shop page there that has some merch on there and hats hoodies t-shirts and all that uh, and a partners page with a lot of different partners that have decided to support what we're doing they have discount codes most of them have discount codes for us those are listed there in the partner section along with the links as well as in the show notes for this and there's a nice contact button on the sh- on the uh website there as well so you guys can write into us that gets an email directly to us um on that note i just wanted to say thank you to everybody that wrote in over the last couple of episodes that we've been doing on shooting and rifles and reloading and such yeah. uh, a lot of great comments a lot of people asking kind of further questions things yeah. we'll get into yeah. in future episodes but as to you know not be too uh repetitive repetitive <laughs> yeah <laughs> Wait, there's a lot of gun nuts out there. We are all three of ourselves consider oh, yeah. ourselves gun nuts. Yeah. Big time, but, big um, time. You know, not everybody's that way. So we're gonna mix it up a little bit today. Um, on that note, though, I have one correction to make—a housekeeping item, as you, if you could say. But less of a housekeeping and more of a—I uh, <laughs> I said the wrong thing. So. Just, just kind of a blunder. Yep. So a, a classic case of trying to think ahead of yourself and then the yeah. words come out jumbled in your mouth. So um, a well, couple of episodes. 
I was going to say, we are not exactly uh, reading off a teleprompter in here, so <laughs> exactly misspeaking <Yeah>. does <laughs> occasionally happen. Well, yes. and, and you know, and the comments I got about that, por- the person I'm going to bring up, were all in jest, yeah. like understanding that clearly that's not what I meant, but I just yeah. want to make sure, because we do have a lot of new people listening to the show that might yeah. not have any experience reloading. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the reloading portion of, I believe it was two episodes ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you and I were going back and forth, Mo, about uh, different uh, tumblers and mm-hmm. different brass prep methods. And there was a point when I looked over at you and I asked what kind of media you had. And I had mentioned, do you have lead media mm-hmm. by accident? <laughs> Thinking further ahead in the conversation. And then uh, that's just the word that came out of my mouth. What I was trying to say was if you have the steel pins right, or right. if you have organic media, such as the husks, like you said you use. So, um, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I noticed your blunder when you said it, I was just n- decided to be nice about it and just roll. Yeah. Right? I didn't catch it till I was listening to the episode later. Honestly. And I, I, and I caught it on my own before anybody commented about it. But, I, um, I, I, when you, when you said that and I thought, huh, I wonder if you can use lead. No. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't so, heard of that one before. So, you know, it, it was just, a, yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to clarify for anybody that doesn't know better automatically. Don't put lead in a tumbler. It's a horrible idea. Your brass will not come out clean. <laughs> there could be a lot of other side effects as well. Right. Um, so, right. but yeah, but steel pins are another option that you can use. Some tumblers come with that. Um, and more like a, they almost look more like the old rock polishers, you right. know, when yeah. you were a kid. Yeah. And those are typically um, like the wet tumblers. Yeah, wet tumblers versus dry tumblers. So that's, I just wanted to clarify that really quickly. Um, Good clarification, James. <laughs> yeah. Good to know that you're human too. Yep, we all are. So, uh, but Mo, why don't you kick this one off? You uh, you had presented a really interesting article, I think, earlier today. I did. I did. Now I will. Here's a preface to this: is that mm-hmm. is I have skimmed this article. I have not read the article. Mm-hmm. I believe Dalton has read the article. I, yes. read it, I read it earlier today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, both you guys did better than me. Um, I skimmed it thought, well, that's interesting. <laughs> Good job on sending but, it Besides, you brought it up, I'll, yeah. Okay. It's, well, it's your, your article. North American wolverine receives federal protection as a threatened species under the Endangered Species Acts. Mm. Act. Not acts. <laughs> <laughs> and where's where, what it is. Where'd you find this article at? This is at um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Okay. FWS.gov. For those of you that haven't figured that out yet, that's Fish Wildlife Service. F- <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're all about clarifications. Today. Anyhow, <laughs> it's um, I, I I did a quick breeze through, like I said, and what I understand is that there's an, been a rule announced to list the population of North American Wolverine in the contiguous contiguous U.S. as a threatened species under the Endangered Species Act. Mm. Um, so from the way I understand from just that, and that's about how much I looked at earlier, mm-hmm. is that it's going to be like grizzly bears. Basically, yeah. They, they're they in the Endangered Species Act. Yeah, for the, the lower 48. For the lower 48, for the lower 48, yes. Not up here because, well, we have plenty of grizzly bears. And we also have plenty of wolverines. Right. You might not see them all that often, but they're there. Oh, there's plenty here. Yeah. They're just they good, hide, good they at hiding. Well. They're, yeah. they're small. I mean, it doesn't take much to hide one of those. So, um, yeah. Dalton, you read it. James, you read it, so... Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I'd have to look into the, I don't know, the, the facts based behind it, you know, how much the population is suffering down there, if at all. Uh, you know, I, I don't really like 
putting too much of an opinion on populations of game that I have absolutely nothing to do with. I am not in the area. I don't know how, you know, scarce they are or prevalent they are. I don't know, you know, how their, their habitats being impacted. Uh, but I do trust that the people that are studying these animals are Mm -hmm. mostly giving the right information for the most, you know, there are obviously biases. Certain people will have the thing I'll point out is I have a a big issue with people jumping straight to the endangered species list. Mm -hmm. If that, you know, I don't think that that should be a tool that's used flippantly because what often happens and what we've seen happen with the grizzly bears is they'll move the goalposts when it comes to removing them from that. So grizzly bears, they had certain numbers that they wanted to see. Mm And then it's considered a recovered population. Well, as soon as they hit that number, then they're like, well, yeah, but maybe double that is actually a recovered population. And so then it's a, it's a, it's a moving target. And so right. you're seeing a lot more grizzly bear attacks in lower 48. You're seeing a lot more uh, issues regarding mm-hmm. those bears, which could be helped if they were allowed to be hunted. Right. Um, Put the fear of man back in them. Right. But because the goalpost keeps moving and you know it's a fluctuating target it's, it's like how do you get them removed off this off this endangered it, species it's become list become a political thing and not an it actual it is exactly issue. Uh, and and same thing with the wolves i mean even when they when they in the states that they have taken the wolves off the endangered species list you know the hunting of them is still so frowned upon politically speaking oh, right. highly you know, politicized so, yeah um for that reason i would i would say i, I hope that putting wolverines on this list has not just been an immediate first response. You know, I hope they've done their research. I hope that they've looked at the habitat and the numbers and the harvest and things like that. Did Colorado just get wolves back? Uh, I think they just They might have. They've been going back and forth on that for years. I thought I just heard a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. that they had the process in motion to get wolves back. They've said that a couple times over the last few years, though. I'm, Unless they actually got a contract signed with one of the I'm going to do some more research on that. Yeah. Because okay. I know there, there's been a lot of issues with them <laughs> yeah. uh, saying they're going to work with certain states. The one but. thing I will mention about the Wolverine ordeal here, it, it's, it is a very short article on, uh, on this whole ordeal for Fish and Wildlife Service. It, it is written by Amanda Smith. No, Media Contacts Amanda Smith is what it says here. Hmm. But uh, this comes out of Portland, Oregon to start with. So, red flag or not, up to you. (laughs) But in the final paragraph of the article, it says, the service requests comments or information from other concerned federal and state agencies, tribes, the scientific community, or any interested party concerning the interim 4D rule. A 60-day comment period begins November 30th, 2023. Hmm. And comments must be received by January 29th, 2024. So this episode is going to drop on what? December 4th? Something like that. So any, I think. So any of y'all down there, you got the about two months to make a comment on yes. this. Yeah. Cut out some Christmas time where you'll forget about it. And yep. you got about a month or six weeks. So that uh, they're, they are blaming a few different things. Current and increasing impacts of climate change, they say, and associated habitat degradation and fragmentation are imperiling the North American wolverine. And that's uh, Pacific Regional Director Hugh Morrison. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going <sighs> to put a dog in that fight. Yeah. Because I don't live there, I don't know. Right. Exactly. Right. right. Um, yeah. But if you do, and you have an opinion, 
and it's your tax dollars going to the Fish and Wildlife Service that in in those lower forty eight states, then you should say something. If you if you Absolutely. have if you have an opinion that will actually aid one side mm-hmm. of this argument yeah. or another, because that is a big deal. Too many hunters stand by the sidelines and hope somebody else will fight the fight. Right. Yeah. Right. That, I mean, I even here in Alaska, you see a ton of these comment periods come and go. Yeah. And they might get five comments through the whole comment period. And everybody has an opinion at the end of it with the outcome. But if you didn't make a comment, right. I mean, it's like voting. You know, if you don't vote, can you really complain? Like, right. It's like the answer is no. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, uh, so if you don't comment, how does anybody get to know your opinion on it? Right. And they're not going to take that into effect when they make their decision. So you can't really complain about the decision afterwards. Um, so just make sure you're getting involved. There's a lot of great ways, at least here in Alaska, you know, we have the advisory committees for the state mm-hmm. stuff, but we've talked about that a lot on this show. Um, each community, well, I, I'm not going to say every community, but most big communities have an AC that represents them. Um, and you can go to those meetings. They're open. They, they have them streaming. They, yep. You can go there in person and be involved ask questions put your opinions out there but yeah. you know you guys were talking about making uh changes to the regs and putting yeah putting different comments in there and and different uh proposals you know there's if you keep up with these acs at least here in alaska you know you can figure out when the proposal right. dates open up when you can make them when you can make comments um you know in the lower 48 i have no idea what that process looks like but i'm sure there is a process they ha- yeah. they almost have to have a process like that so if there's a way to get involved, you should get involved. Yeah. Um, so with the Endangered Species Act thing, I know some people hear that and just say, no, because, right. because of the situation like with the grizzly bears. Now, I don't think it was a bad decision to put the grizzly bears on the Endangered Species Act. At the time that they did. Just at like the, time the that American they did, bison. They were pretty, they were almost gone. You didn't see, hear of them anymore, right? Right, no. And now, well, they're everywhere. Or almost, <laughs> yeah. there's still some states that maybe they should stay on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of places, like Dalton said, where they should be, re- they should be yeah. management returned to the states. Yeah. You know? yeah. So there's, some, there's some mean grizzly right. And the same thing there. goes for wolves. There's yeah. states where they should open it up for wolves. They should open it wide open because now there's way too many. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People are getting killed every year by grizzly bears in the lower 48, and it's only yeah. getting worse. Yeah, and in and, British Columbia, it's happening as well. Since the banning of grizzly bear hunting, it becomes a problem of you can't manage it. Yeah, when you can't manage an animal like a predator, uh, like a grizzly bear, mm-hmm. then it ends up having no fear of man. Well, and especially when you end up with a bear that's a particular problem bear that does not experience consequences for its actions. Right, well, like you, that, you get a bear that that raids a campsite and it doesn't get shot. It doesn't get, yeah. you know, hurt in any way. Like they, didn't they, they ended up having to kill a, a problem grizz that they determined was, had two different attacks on humans down there. I want to say that was Wyoming I lat, can't earlier remember. this year. Yeah, it, that, that, that's very possible. Yeah. Um, that, that, that sounds familiar. Mm. That, that might've been an earlier in the year story. A lot of but, states will put a tremendous amount of time and money into relocating problem bears. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The, the the main problem that I'm seeing and the, the the trend that I'm noticing in a lot of these stories is they're attacking bow hunters and what happens is they don't know to cut off the attack when they feel when they find out it's a it's a dude mm-hmm. right um they don't have any fear man right and so you've got a you've got somebody sitting there making elk calls carrying on right they don't care it sounds like an elk it, 
dude, it must be an elk, right? <laughs> so they, they, they go ripping it's in a there. Weird looking elk, but okay. Or it, it, <laughs> or you bump into one and it's surprised, so its immediate reaction is a charge, which right. happens up here as well. But of course, yeah, man, alive, you hear of so many fewer bear attacks in Alaska than you do in the low forty-eight, right? And we have. How many times more bears right. in our state? I want to say there's north of 33,000 grizzlies in this state. Yeah. Like, say, yeah. yeah. Probably even higher. Like yeah, probably. And we average how many fatal attacks a year? Yeah. Single digits for sure and mm-hmm. probably under three. Well, and and consider how many tourists come up here and are hiking around in the yeah. backcountry, barely yeah. even bear spray on them. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not like you even really have to, I yeah. mean. Do be careful, obviously, right. but like, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, there's a lot of people that aren't and they still come out okay. Like, But it seems like every spring and every bow season for archery elk hunting in the lower 48 in mm-hmm. Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, somebody gets killed. Yeah. It, it, at least once a year yeah, for spring, the last Spring shed years. hunting yeah. and all kinds. Like there was multiple yeah. attacks on shed hunters this year. Yeah. Um, there was those, those poor high school kids got, yeah. got chewed up pretty good. And, yeah. Um, that, I think there was a lady... Uh, I can't deal. keep up with everybody, honestly, no. but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a horrible deal to, yeah. to be out there and not have any, <laughs> it, any it, method. It I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of DLP rules down there, maybe, but oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's yeah. like, yeah, for sure there is. It's probably yeah. a larger process for them than it would be for us up here. Well, yeah, because it's a federally protected yeah. animal. Yeah. 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 Absolutely it is. However, the, the, the stories that I have uh, seen and heard, actually, I, I've, I've listened to some interviews on other podcasts with, uh, with uh, defenders in, mm-hmm. in grizzly bear attacks in Montana and Wyoming, I believe it was. Um, but their, their explanation of the process was it was pretty well handled and pretty yeah. easy and relatively painless. And yeah, it's kind of a pain in the neck. You got to take them back there and show them the scene if, as long as you're not hurt or in the hospital or something right, like that. Right, right. Um, Which is the same process here. Right, yeah. right. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, it's it's not that bad of a process. It's, you know, not necessarily what you want to do with your next day following that instance. Yeah. Yeah. You'd love to be, just be able to skin that bear out and take it home. Mm-hmm. But from what I'm seeing down there, compared to even a few years ago, like it used to be a a real event like everybody knew when there was another grizzly bear attack in the low 48 right i remember when todd Orr got mauled by that uh by that sow and oh, cubs yeah. Yeah. years ago and he's a big proponent of bear spray and he was handgun hunting i believe it was and he got mauled twice in the same morning by yep. this sow yeah, and she came back for him walked down to his pickup truck and that story was on the national news right it took a selfie at the pickup truck took after a video, being, yeah. being mauled yeah. this bear. Took a video, yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Like, and so, guys, guys, insane. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. You have examples like that of yeah. a really nasty bear attack that happens that everybody knows about, and now that's just well, yeah, it's, another one. It's now. September in Montana, another right. bear attack. You know, right. it, it's just commonplace now. Well, and hopefully, you know, that gets some people's attention yeah. and, and gets some things changed because it really needs to. Um, I and, I, and I feel for everybody that's dealing with that down there. I mean, I was talking to a buddy of mine in uh, Michigan uh, over Thanksgiving, and he was telling me about a, an elk hunt they had gone on out in the, the western part of the U.S. and how they had to massively change their plans because there's, you know, grizzlies in the area and they were very aggressive grizzlies. 
and they had to, you know, kind of adjust their their approach and stuff because there's nothing you can really do about yeah about those grizzlies in there. So I remember hearing hunters t- in the states talk about being afraid of grizzlies and mm. like, man, they're just so much more dangerous and they're unpredictable. And I didn't get it at first when I first heard that. It didn't make sense to me. Like, what do you mean? Like, I grew up around both right. kinds of bears. Yeah. And then I started, you know, hearing all this, you know, and did a lot more research and understanding into what was going on. Mm. And it makes a lot more sense. But yeah, we don't have, like I said, I grew up around grizzly bears and black bears. They want nothing to do the, with you. They're, they're, no. di- they're different animals up here for and sure. And if they do, like, I'll take a piece of them. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I can't. Well, and especially in the southern part of the state, you know, there's just, there's a lot more food. They're oh, not usually yeah. right. hungry. Right. Like they're, you know, right. I mean, you see videos all the time of people walking backwards down a trail with a sound cubs walking towards them, you know, and she's yeah. not super spooked and they don't, they don't yeah. seem like they're starving and you just step yeah. off the trail and let them walk right. by. Like that's, that's Alaskan grizzlies mm-hmm. and brown bears, right? right? Like that's, right. you know, you still obviously be careful, but like, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I haven't experienced lower 48 grizzlies, but from what it sounds like, it's a whole different beast. Now, we deal don't get here. me wrong. I would totally still hunt in grizzly bear country down there because- Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, and I would still not do. let that hold me back from hunting down yeah. there. But. Well, and, that, and that's my buddy, you know, they still did. They just had to change like which valley they were in or yeah. something like that. So yeah. he's still, he's harvested a nice bull. So to, nice. to wrap back really quickly to my statement about wolves in Colorado, it says, uh, if you just Google- because Google is just that reliable. It says uh, Colorado has finalized a plan to reintroduce wolves. Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission will create and carry out a plan to reintroduce and manage gray wolves by the end of the 2023 calendar year. Ranchers will be fairly compensated for losses to wolves. The Colorado General Assembly will fund the reintroduction program. Gray wolves will be designated as non-game wildlife. You can designate it whatever you want. It's a game animal. <laughs> sounds, like, I mean, sounds like a Colorado thing. <laughs> but it does say that they got some. It looks like they got wolves from Oregon. Okay. Yeah. And it, I, from what I can see, it looks like they do have wolves in there, and they are collared, and they are being monitored. Hmm. So. Well, hopefully it doesn't cause too much impact with the, the ranchers down there. I mean, that's right. that's a big deal. You yeah. reintroduce a whole is, new predator. Uh, has but. Colorado had a coyote problem? Uh, I think in the southern part, maybe, because so there's there's some plains there's down there. There's definitely coyotes. One of the yeah. reasons I don't hear, since we're on the topic, one of the reasons that I don't hear discussed a lot when people are talking about wolves and whether or not they want wolves brought back in or whether they should be able to kill them, you know, immediately as soon as we're introduced, as some, <laughs> yeah. some guys would like, um, is the fact that so many of these places where you know, 50 years ago, I'll just say we, you know, Americans, we killed all the wolves. Right. 50, 100 years ago, like there's wolves, wolves are bad, let's kill them. Mm. Right. Well, and we killed all of them. I miss the old days. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, well, now here we are and there's an overabundance of coyotes. Yeah. And so reintroducing wolves should help rebalance that. We don't have an overabundance of coyotes up here primarily well, yeah because yeah. there is other controlling factors like wolves mm. well it's they're not the top of the food chain is, is the big thing it's, right and that's why you see a lot of difference in behavior with them you know you, you see let's just use my home state kansas what's gonna you know i mean a, a coyote's about as big as 
predators you're going to get in Kansas, right? There's no black bears. There's no wolves. Right, there's no right. anything. Um, so I'm not saying it's and, the and only... And they come into a call like it's nothing. Right. I'm you not know saying I mean? it's the only thing up here, but there's so many issues with coyotes I, I in areas of the states. I don't even know if I would say it's the primary reason there's less coyotes here, but it is definitely a factor. Right. Because and wolves will eat anything they can get their hands on, right? I mean, they'll eat lesser canines. They'll eat, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. any, anything they can hunt down, basically. Yeah. But they're um, all, and they're, they're very territorial. They'll yeah. kill to keep those dogs out of their area. Yeah. Any kind of dog. And, and that's why they're not as vocal up here too, is, you know, coyotes, you, coyotes, don't, you right. don't hear them as, as be as vocal they as they do in other parts. They don't run into calls like they do in the States. Yeah. So. Well, I, mm, I have some <laughs> video footage that it I'm not saying that it, it doesn't happen, but you're not going to call <laughs> and five coyotes hear it and then we'll come running. Well, depends on, it depends on where you're at. De- yeah, it depends on where you're at. And because there's, I mean, wolves are everywhere, but they're not everywhere at the same time. Right. So, right. Um, but and, and there's a lot of different contributing factors to why different things are the way that they are. But it is a fact that you introduce a, uh, a fast, aggressive predator into an area, mm-hmm. it's going to take, you know, a toll on other, even other predator populations. Right. You know, they'll hunt bears if they can get their, get around bears, you know. I mean, you've seen wolves kill black bears and stuff like that. I mean, it's not uncommon. So. But yeah, no, I, I think it, it'll be an adjustment period. I hope that they're taking, you know, it said something about the ranchers will be compensated if anything happens. Hopefully that, that's it's pretty typically. Yeah. 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 Hopefully it's actually a good compensation, not just, you know, yeah. a little handout, but cause I mean, that's, that's a big deal. You know, these ranchers, they can't really be affording to, to lose huge amounts of of their herd. No. So, no, but, I, I think, I think the larger concern in the hunting community is probably the, the, the game populations. Yeah. You know, elk and whatnot. Yeah. yeah elk and mule deer and white tails. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that'll be it, interesting how that shakes out. It'll be a balancing act. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, as long and, as they allow proper management. Right. Shouldn't be a problem. Right. But cool. Well, let's take a break and then we'll dive into our main topic. All right, folks, we all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. All right, folks. Well, like I said at the beginning of the show, welcome to December. Um, for a lot of guys in the low 48, rifle season probably just ended, unfortunately. Mm. Um, depending on where they're at. Maybe it goes into December, but yeah. archery season for most people still goes on strong. Um, that's one thing I, I do like about lower 48 seasons is they, at least for archery, there seems to be a lot more uh, play with the seasons than there is up here in Alaska. You might get like an extra week or two here in Alaska for archery season but i mean i guess it depends on where some, you're at and some what winter, you're doing some winter caribou st- oh yeah like uh, yeah um, a lot of that winter caribou stuff up on the hall road goes 
a lot of the winter time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the harvest numbers are pretty. And, and you got to keep in mind you know. here that there's not usually a rifle only season. Yeah, that's true. It, yeah, that's it's, true. It's either or pretty yeah. much anywhere, everywhere here. Right, right. Uh, unless it's archery only. Or you're in a, a, a special, yeah. Right, or yeah, special sometimes. special use area or yeah, something. Correct, yeah, correct. Whereas in the States, most of the time, it's there's an archery portion, and when archery closes, rifle opens up, or there's a rifle portion when rifle closes, archery opens up, and sometimes there's a rifle muzzleloader archery. Because, yeah, they're trying to keep, yeah, keep the separation so nobody <laughs> gets shot. <laughs> right. But uh, if you guys had a successful rifle season, definitely write into the show, send us some pictures. Mm-hmm. If you got something yeah. cool, I mean, we're all just a bunch of hunting dudes up here we like hearing stories so feel oh. free to write into the show you know i i <clears throat> forgot to mention that one earlier oh what's um, maybe in the next one we'll uh we'll reference that listener email oh yeah yeah <laughs> that's a good one you just i know i know exactly which one you're talking yeah. about we'll we'll, we'll do that in a, we'll, a, a listener success story we'll yeah we'll hit that in an opening topic next time and i'm looking forward to hearing back from that other listener who wrote in with a question mm-hmm. about their hunt Anyway, right on. but so for us up here, there is, uh, still a little bit of hunting. Uh, I'm unfortunately going to miss this trip, but why don't you guys go into what y'all got planned for this month? It's none of your business, James. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going, you don't get to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm, uh, well, prepping to, prepping to go back deer hunting again here soon. There we go. Spend some time on the beach. There you go. Yeah. Prefer- <laughs> preferably on the beach. <laughs> just so. ordered a new beach suit it's <laughs> called chest waders yep that's the alaskan beach suit <laughs> what, what uh what brand did you go with lacrosse lacrosse so cool what's what's your what made you go with those ones so well last I mean, other year, than black friday sales right well, <laughs> so i had my eye on them before that but <laughs> <laughs> did you buy anything on black friday james Mm, not really, no. Did you buy anything else besides waiters on Black Friday? Yeah. Oh, that's okay. A ton of yeah. money on Black Friday. <laughs> I was See, looking at different stuff. But I didn't I just, buy I, a single. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I bought one thing on Black Friday. Mm. Yeah. I, I bought a new torque wrench ah, for scope mounting. There you go. You bought a uh, That wasn't on clearance. It doesn't mean, but you bought it on Black Friday. <laughs> Which torque wrench did you go with? Oh, yeah, that's right. I bought the same The one. Wheeler. The Wheeler? Yeah, I, love, I love the Wheeler. I, I already had one, but it was a oh, digital that's, one. That's right. I forgot you had the digital one. Digital beeper screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't, yeah. Yeah. It's, ele- <laughs> it's electronic, man. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I just, I've always had the mechanical one, so yeah, yeah that's so. Yeah. I bought the spring-loaded one that okay, just yeah. clicks over yep. when you hit your torque. Yeah, that's so. a good one. I think one. they have a new digital one that's spring-loaded. Like a combo? That's the, it it operates up. with a cap on the back, but it's yeah. digital. Huh. That'd I be think handy. they might. That'd be really but nice. Real nice. I have to buy a third one. Really? <laughs> really nice, Clark. <laughs> Anyhow. There's, there, there's a Christmas reference for you. <laughs> there's a whole backstory to that stuff. That looks Maybe like a real we'll high it. quality item, Clark. <laughs> oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's quite a few listeners understanding that. Oh, you know, yeah. Stone Glacier. the relevance to this time of year. Yeah, that's true. That's Stone true. Glacier does a bang up job with their advertising mm-hmm. in reference to Cousin Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Lyle designed a, a, a well, I, I think it was Lyle that made up a logo for that a long time ago. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Anybody so, who wants some Christmas cheer, go over yeah. and shop those <laughs> Christmas designs from Stone Glacier. They're awesome. Anyway. So anyway, Mo, back to the, the waiters. Waiters. So yeah. they're the lacrosse, uh, Swamp Fox. Let me pull them up here. 
Swamp Fox something. So you feel like they're full chest weighter, they're rubber, thousand gram, they're the thousand gram boots. Okay. Um, insulated rubber up to the knee on the front. And then there's also wraparound rubber around the rear end on the back. Oh, nice. Um, for sitting. Yeah, for sitting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe just into the crotch too, a little bit. Okay. So it's so, so they're, they say they're good for busting brush. Yeah. That's, That's the biggest problem with most waders is they don't have any kind of protection for and, the high friction areas. You know, and, and they're a nylon upper. Um, they're supposed to be, you know, waterproof, all this stuff. I read a few reviews where people said they had some seepage after a few hours. Oh, really? Yeah. But I'm not planning on being in the water for a few hours. Is a thousand gram the only one they offer it in or do they offer no, a lower? No, they offer lower they a couple and higher. Ones. Okay. Yeah, they offer yeah. a lot of options. Um, so these are the lacrosse insulated alpha swamp fox. Mm. Um, and I got the mossy oak bottomland ones. Of course you did. Because <laughs> if that camel pattern's off, uh, if that camel pattern's offered, I'm not buying anything else. But, um, it's the uh, best hunting, best camel pattern ever created. Changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> um, That's funny. Anyhow, so they have you know the alpha agility, which mm-hmm. is a um, with sixteen hundred gram boots. Whoa! Wow! They, they have they that go from gonna be warm six hundred thousand gram, sixteen hundred gram, um, twelve hundred gram in the boots. And do they have on anything under a thousand gram boots? Yeah, they have some six hundreds. Okay. Okay. In an option yeah, just, or two. Yeah, just like the hip boots. Well, and yeah, because if you're doing any kind of hiking around and stuff, thousand or higher would get real warm real quick. You know, I ran the eight hundreds. Yeah. In the in the knee boots last year. Okay. Yeah. And it really wasn't that. I think it's because it's a rubber outer and rubber outer. It unless you're wearing bunny sucks boots, sucks the heat out. Yeah. It just sucks the heat out. I mean, I've talked yeah. to guys that'll wear the mm-hmm. 1600 knee boots gotcha. in the winter around here. They freeze solid, yeah. and they still yeah. In yeah. the real hmm. cold, 20, 30 below, yeah. they they still freeze solid because yeah. they're just that rubber outer layer, mm-hmm. which gets cold. Yeah. Um, right. So I like that it has the the protected. Um, regions of the knees and the mm-hmm. the, the hind quarters. Um, <laughs> the hind quarters. Um, oh, because I had the the freestyle uh, the tributary. I thought they. Oh, were. did you? Yeah, oh, the okay. Sims tributary. I'm pretty sure they were. Um, that was a, a clearance deal from last year. <laughs> but uh, those uh, they're the Gore-Tex ones. So they're okay. uh, what are those four layer? I believe so. Yeah, I think they're four layer. They might even be higher than that. And those are chest layers. Chest chest waders. Yeah, chest waders. And um, they were good and they kept, they were waterproof, but the problem was they were fragile. So anytime there, I think I ripped them probably two or three different times down there on whatever it was, a seven day trip. Um, And whether it was rocks or busting through the brush, they just didn't hold up to more hunting style activity mm. rather than fishing per se. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I like is that those ones have high insulated boots. Cause the only thing I remember from that trip, other than, you know, the joy of, of killing a buck was <laughs> cold feet because <laughs> yeah. the tributary don't have boots on them. They just have the little, little neoprene socks. Yeah. And so then you yeah. put your, your shoes, which are, designed to let water in and out right, basically right. Uh, and they do work i'll say that but oh yeah my oh my is it cold 
Yeah. That is not enough insulation for the Alaskan Ocean. <laughs> it's pretty cold. So. so the other thing I like about these is the one other feature they have is you can actually, you're supposed to be able to roll the top down. And mm, like, okay. There's like a pocket or straps you can tuck it in so you can wear them as pants. Okay. I, yeah. You know, I have no idea how well that's going to work. Yeah. If it's going to be convenient to do that or if it'll just be convenient just to keep them, you know, up on the shoulders. Yeah. But, do they have any kind of a front zipper on them? Um, no. No? Okay. I don't believe. No, they have a waist belt. Okay. Yeah. For for tightening it up, but that's a good idea. So you're going to be in trouble. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be a uh, unbuckle, lay down, and wiggle. <laughs> well, that's not what I was referring to, but we can move on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, what's the price point on those? Normally four thirty. Okay. With the Black Friday deal, which is going on through. The third, so the day before this airs. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry about your luck if you missed it. <laughs> Two fifty eight. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty good deal. Mm. Um, I'll say compared to uh, some of the the big names like uh, Sitka makes yeah. an, a really nice pair of waders. I would love to get my hands on, but they're a thousand dollars. I'm looking and, forward to seeing what First Light comes out with. Yeah, they've been talking about it for a while. Now my <laughs> guess is they're going to be a thousand dollars and oh, all day. You know. Yeah, but but. No, to have an option that's that's insulated with built-in, you know, actual boot waders, right? That you know have a protected knee, and to where you're you're not going to be, you know, tearing them up if you have to kneel down to take a shot or something mm-hmm. like that. Because that's how I I ripped mine was kneeling to shoot um, in the rocks, and so uh, to have that at a, at a fairly affordable price range, that's actually pretty awesome. I'm gonna have to look into those. Yeah, yeah. they have little cinches tighten them up at, on your legs. And, okay, and and like I said, around the waist, there's the belt. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. We'll see how they do. Right on. So that's a new piece of gear. So mm-hmm. go into a little bit about, about this trip without giving too much away, obviously. But what are you, what are you guys setting out to do? Uh, I mean, I know what you're setting out to do, but tell. Well, <laughs> in an ideal world, we'll, uh, we'll spend, oh, I don't know. Three, four, five, six, seven days out there, <laughs> somewhere around Depending. there. <laughs> yeah. Hunt big game. <laughs> yeah, hunt hunt big game mostly. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no. In, in an ideal world, we'll uh, we'll have some good weather, and the the water will be calm enough that we can run the boat around where we need mm-hmm. to get and right. access the spots that we want to get to. Yeah. That's uh, that's kind of an important dictating factor. Yeah, that is in the success or failure of hunting down in that part of the state. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I've been watching a lot of activity on the, uh, on, on the blacktail forums mm-hmm. uh, that, that exist up here in Alaska, whether that's on Facebook or whether that's on, uh, like rock slide or things like that. There's, there's a lot of information out there. A lot of guys posting their deer kills from the fall already. You know, the, the rut is pretty well over. There's definitely a second rut that comes into swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the stragglers that didn't uh, fulfill their uh, their Calling. desires and, <laughs> and yeah their their instinctual their abilities, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so that that that's probably happening if not right now, then in the next few days or so. Okay, um, but the main rut that, that usually happens about the middle of the month, uh, and and it varies, you know, on on the. I suppose the word could be severity mm. of how obvious it is that it's going on, you know, from year to year, depending on conditions, the deer will be more or less active and responsive to calling. 
But the rut always happens right around the same time because the fawns are always there at the same time in the spring when they get born. So <laughs> it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Right. Uh, but the rut seems to have produced a lot of great bucks. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of great deer killed down there uh, in that part of the state this year. I, mm-hmm. I haven't seen as many giant bucks come off of Kodiak this year. Okay. Uh, certainly a few. Yeah, I, I know some people that went deer hunting down there. They said it was hard hunting. But not as many. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, now that you mention that, I'm thinking of five different people that I know of, mm-hmm. five different individuals that went down there and had very little success. Yeah. Relatively speaking, the years past. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the southeast part of the state, you know, Ketchikan, Juneau, that part of the that part of the state, you know, certainly Prince of Wales gets a lot of attention. Um, Kuyu Island, you know that that uh, that area is well publicized for its uh, for its deer hunting. <laughs> right. um, love it or hate it, and you you know that's just that's just part of how things are. What it is, yeah. Um, you know, certain people own well. Certain, certain people hunt that part of the state frequently and produce a lot of outdoor media and they're not very secretive about where that takes place. And so, but on that note, on Prince of Wales, a fellow that I know trapped a bunch of wolves yesterday. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. He, he caught several in his traps. Good. And he was uh, expressing they, his his relief for that because he hadn't had any luck just I yet. I would say, did they do that that extended or that, that extra season this year again? I didn't check into it. Yeah, because I, I know last I, year they, they added a whole extra section to the trapping season. Yeah, bulls, I, so. I'm not sure. Yeah. I thought I heard something about them closing it down early. Okay. And then I saw his pictures yesterday that he had caught a bunch, <laughs> and he said, finally. And so I thought, yeah. well, it's yeah. been quite a problem there. Yeah, so that, that yeah. that's that's at least good news anyway. Um, but yeah, there, there is, for those that aren't aware, we've talked about this before, about the the wolf problems on mm. Prince of Wales. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big deal that they're fighting down there. Yeah. Underestimations of wolf populations and, you know, pie in the sky and reasons as to why they think fishing game is lying to them or are yeah. they lying or are they just underfunded and can't study it enough or. Well, and, and I think you have errors on both sides of the, you know, you got people that don't think wolves are a problem at all. And then you got people right. that think the wolves are the entire problem. And I, right. I don't think either right. thought process is correct there. No. I think wolves are a contributing factor. I think yeah. there's probably several factors. Wolves though. are certainly the, the the main predator for deer right. in the southeast islands of Alaska, but black bears take a huge toll as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. They kill a lot of deer. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of wolves, I want to see if we can find an update on what's going on. Where, where was that? Pleasant, Pleasant Island? Where um, the, they were eating the sea otters? Oh, yeah. I want to see if we can find an update on that. I've seen a little bit call about an area that. biologist. Yeah, see what's going on. Yeah, I might have yeah. to do that. See if they want. To, yeah, we'll have to do that. Want a group of guys to go down there and help with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so wolves and black bears are are the are kind of the main predators. Um, thankfully, in uh, in December, there's uh, there's not a whole lot of bear activity right down yeah. that part of the state. Yeah, e- even all the way down there, um, there's just not a whole lot of bears still out yeah. with that much snow food on the ground. Sti- food still dries up. And you now, know, if we get enough snow, that's the case. Yeah. I have been down there before in December when I've had a lot less snow, and there's been more bear sign okay. than, there, you know, than there was, say, last year. Mm-hmm. Last year, we had a good amount of snow, <laughs> at, least, <laughs> at least when you guys were there. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. The, the week prior to that was not, uh, 
not really the case. Not mm-hmm. not a whole lot of snow. Not, not a whole lot of bear sign either, but not a whole lot of deer. Yeah. Um, the snow kind of changes things. There's definitely a lull after the rut ends. The bucks kind of disappear for yeah. a couple of weeks, it seems like. Okay, not a couple of weeks, but usually for about a week, there's a slow time. They're probably recouping their Where they go up high and they kind of disappear for a few days and they recoup and they eat and they stay up there. And then they come back down. Yeah. And they find me. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the idea. Surprise. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, back to the original point. Um, in an ideal world, there's not many bears out, mm-hmm. at least very many. And uh, the area that I hunt doesn't really have a wolf problem. Yeah. So. Right. That just right. is what it is. But population, like for the entire state, while we're kind of on that, um, is about 200,000 animals for, for black really? tail deer. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Ju- just in Alaska? About 200,000 black tails in Alaska. That's a good number that's, of deer. That's what I could find. And the yearly average harvest for the last 10 years is between 12,500 and 15,000. Yeah, that's that's, that's a, a lot, lot of deer, deer harvested. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of deer. Night. Yeah. I mean, comparable to the population, that's sustainable, I'm sure. But like, oh yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a lot of deer. <laughs> right. Right. And, and and you know, some years are going to be a little bit lower than that due to uh, due to some harsh winters. Mm-hmm. I'll be really interested to see what the numbers from this year are. Now that Kodiak has been reduced to one deer per non-resident, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to it used to be three. Was it really? I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Is it really only one per non-resident yeah. now? Yeah, that got changed this year. They feel year. like they're just taking too many. Uh, Kodiak had some harsh winters in in mm-hmm. a lot of areas, and so that and they were kind of tired of. Well, okay, this is secondhand information. I've never experienced this or personally known anybody that has this exact problem. But the word on the street was that some people, some residents, had complained, and there was evidence of that. That these uh, these charters that had uh, um, kind of like a stay on board boat service mm, yeah. DIY non guided mm-hmm. service would just cruise from bay to bay to right. bay with non residents or you know paying residents it's not the non residents fault right right yeah. but that those DIY transporters were just going from bay to bay to bay and they would shoot their three deer per person for non res and you know however many for for residents as well I think it was four. I think for, you're right. For yeah. residents in, in most places on Kodiak, which I don't think that's changed. No. I, I, I haven't checked. I, I, last I heard, the deer quotas for residents haven't changed anywhere Yeah, that I know of. If so, they have, let us know. So but. folks did have a lot to say uh, in opposition against those mm-hmm. DIY guys. And so um, there was several proposals written about that mm-hmm. last year, and that got changed to one deer per non-resident. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, in in some of those blacktail forums that I've been keeping up with, there are a lot of non-residents that post in there. And several of them from Kodiak this year mm-hmm. that, w- w- with their deer from Kodiak. And yeah. a lot of them still paid to go on a DIY boat oh, trip. Sure. Yeah. And they shot one really nice buck per person. And one of them went out of his way to make the comment and make it very clear that he was not upset at fish and game for lowering the bag limit. Yeah. And that he appreciated well, that they were trying to manage that. And especially somewhere like Kodiak. Kodiak, of all places in Alaska, a probably gets a lot of non-resident attention. Right. Probably more than almost anywhere else in the state. I'm sure. I mean, arguably. Yeah. Um, you know, between that and, you know, POW and all the yeah. other well-known, well-advertised islands. Um, 
So, I mean, I could definitely see how, you know, your, your, uh, density of non-resident hunters would probably be a lot higher there than right. other places you'd have to worry about. Right. But, you know, and, and in defense, uh, for anybody that is upset, you know, a lot of deer hunting or moose hunting or caribou hunting in this, in this state is all done for filling freezers. Right. You know, obviously we all love hunting. We all love, you know, we go out there and we'll hunt things even if our freezers are full because we know somebody that can use the meat or, you know, maybe we just want to, you know, still top it off a little bit. You know, yeah. the freezer's not all the way empty yet, but, yeah. uh, but, you know, a lot of what we do here is to feed ourselves. Um, right. And so if the option is to cut the limit for anybody, it should not be the people that are deer hunting to fill their freezers. Right. Right. And especially yeah. somewhere like Kodiak, you know, I mean, they don't have, you know, caribou and moose and, and all this different stuff. So, yeah. you know, deer is kind of what they got. Right. Um, and so I, I support that, I think. And, oh, yeah. and I think that it still provides people a great opportunity to come up here and shoot a quality buck, you know, maybe just be a little bit more selective in your shooting. Um, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I got nothing wrong with that. I think that's probably a good decision, at least for now. It it could change down the road. Sure. If if, yeah. the, if the numbers rebound in a big way, then that's great. And mm-hmm. that's that's a win for everybody. And that was the state that made the rule too. Is, uh, is a is a yeah. big thing there too. Yeah. I, I like when the state makes the rules. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just leave that one at that. <laughs> Can of worms spilled <laughs> everywhere. Anyway. Yeah, so I, I I'm looking forward to getting back down there and going deer hunting again. Yeah, That's, yeah, that, that, absolutely. Has, that has really become one of my favorite trips, if not my most anticipated trip of how, the year. How many years have you hunted deer down in the state, southern regions of Alaska? Uh, let's see here. I think this would be what your your ninth. This is my eighth year. Eighth year. Okay. And I believe my 10th overall trip. Nice. Yeah. 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 So speaking of that, one thing I wanted to ask you about. So is mm. this the first year you've hunted both early and late season in the same year? Yeah. What's yes. your, what's your, your comparison there? I should say. Well, so in August, my wife and I went with, uh, with, Mr. Lampers, mm-hmm. Ryan and Paley, and uh, and the cameraman, Mr. Kyam. And that was a great experience. Mm-hmm. I've wanted to fly out in August like that for a long time, but I never really made the time to do it. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, it takes prioritizing it. And August is also sheep season and caribou yeah. season and everything opens. Well, not getting ready for moose hunting in September and guiding work got in the way of it a few times. And so I just finally said, you know what? I'm going to get this trip together. Mm-hmm. And I talked to Ryan about it and I kind of gauged his interest and he was all in. He really wanted to bring Paley. And uh, we decided that uh, we would make that trip happen. And it was a great experience. Yeah. I will absolutely do it again. Uh, fantastic, fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. And that, that film is going to be epic. Like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't look forward to watching a lot of hunt films, but... Let's got your face on. <laughs> even though I was there, right? I, I enjoy just seeing it all again yeah, because it's absolutely. December now, and I've mm-hmm. I've forgotten about little things that that happened <laughs> while I was there. Right, right. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I just, and I really thoroughly enjoyed that hunt. I'm excited to see it too, honestly. But comparatively to the to the uh, to the later in the season hunts, mm. I've gone in October, and that's a horrible choice. <laughs> oh, really? Awful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely awful. If okay, that's what kept me away. Uh, oh, that's right. That's yeah. the first time. You I'll went say down. it yeah. like this: If you have a desire to hurt yourself mentally, you know, to, to put yourself through such anguish and really just go through something that'll make you question why you even decide to call yourself a hunter, mm-hmm. then go blacktail deer hunting in October in the Southeast <laughs> Islands where the vegetation is thick and the, uh, the conditions are just going to be wet and right around that. 40 to 45 degrees range. Right. Just cold enough that it'll kill you at night if you get stuck out there without shelter, <laughs> but just warm enough that it'll keep you alive a long enough time that you'll remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so I caught that accident. <laughs> so October is a terrible idea. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. not down low enough yet off of those hillsides. So mm-hmm. in August, we had a great hunt above the brush line Right. Because that's where all the deer are. Right. They're up above the brush line. They're up there having that high quality grass feed. They're putting on a ton of fat in preparation for the rut, in preparation for the snow covering all those mountains. Yep. They're up there almost at the same elevation as the mountain goats are. Yeah. And, and that's where they hang out primarily. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 As, as soon as the snow is gone and the summer feed pops out, boom. I mean, they are. Yeah. Straight up the mountain. Mm-hmm. That's where they like it. And they have the most protection up there from predators. Mm-hmm. Right. They can see. They can get out of the bugs. They can have a nice breeze, you know, and the, so, so on and so forth. And uh, they need that high-quality feed to grow their antlers in that short growing cycle. Right. And so in, in August, they're up well above tree line. I mean, we're, we're not busting through brush for anything. And it was, oh, man, it was... <laughs> It's like an out-of-body experience every day. I just, man, this is nice. I don't have to bust brush. I'm not, and I kind of got spoiled. Not kind of. I really got spoiled. We didn't have rain while we were hunting. Oh, really? Not not the entire time. No kidding. It rained cats and dogs when we tried to fly out of there. But while we were hunting, really no rain to speak of. Good. It was fantastic. Yeah. Way too much sunny weather, and I'm afraid to ever go back to that spot again. In fear of other that, disappointment. That was your one. <laughs> your one good time. <laughs> now I'll go back there and spend a week in a lightning storm and not, yeah. see, not, not even see a deer in the clouds. <laughs> right. Um, but so anyway, that's August. Mm-hmm. As you get snow in some time in the October time frame, there starts to be some snow way up high. The temperatures drop. You get less and less sunlight. Mm. And that grass starts to die off way up high. So right. that feed kind of goes away. The bucks have all rubbed the velvet off their antlers, usually by the end of August or sometime in that time frame. And then they start gradually moving down into the old growth, into that subalpine and then into the top of the old growth as the season progresses. By October, they haven't moved down enough mm-hmm. to a spot where you can hike up quickly in a day and get to them and then come back down. Yeah. Right. So they're in that right. no man's land where if you get dropped off above them, if you can get dropped off above them in a float plane, if the lakes aren't freezing up there, right, then you have to hike down into some brush to find them. 
Sometimes you'll get lucky and they'll still be out in the open if you've had some good weather stretches. If you get dropped off in a boat or, or, or you're hunting with a boat from the bottom up, from salt, uh, from salt line to summit, mm-hmm. then you've got to walk all the way up through all that brush, which is, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a task. Yeah. It's nasty walking. It's really kind of a mas- miserable, awful experience. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, prepare no, yourself for can't disappointment. Can't wait to do again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, here I am doing it again for eight years in a row. Right. There's just something about it. And, and I think for me, it's the fact that it's just something different. Mm-hmm. I don't hunt out, of, out in the low 48. Right. I, I, I haven't hunted outside of Alaska since I came back. Right. You know, 10, 10 11 years ago. Something well, like and, that. and arguably, that's one of the best things that we all love about Alaska yeah. is it offers. Yeah. Every single style of hunt yeah. you could ever want. Like you've got wide open plains you can go hunt in. You've yeah. got thick swamp you can go hunt in. You've got mountains you can go hunt in. You got rainforest. You do stand, stand yeah. hunting, Temperate still rainforest. hunting. Yeah. All kind. Like if there's a style of hunt, you can do it here. In Alaska. And if you want to have to wear hunter's orange and hunt with a crowd, you can hunt the 40 mile caribou. <laughs> exactly. <herd>. Right. <laughs> if that's your thing. Remember why you moved here? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had to throw that one in there. <laughs> so anyway, October is a complete bust mm. for, for a lot of, um, of, of my purposes. And then I started going in November, and I figured out that that was when the rut actually happened. Mm. And this was a long time ago. I figured that out. Um, the second year that I went... Um, Didn't you go with your dad and other family members the no, second year? No, that wasn't the second year. That was me and one other guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Um. We hunted together for, for 10 full days. Had pretty good weather for November. We hit the rut reasonably well. We killed, I think it was six total deer, and I shot okay, my brown okay. bear. I mm, shot an eight and a half right, foot brown right. bear. Yeah. Yep. Which, for the part of the state that I was in, uh, at that particular spot that I was at, was a really nice bear. Yeah. And I didn't know much about brown bear hunting back then. Um, that was a number of years ago, seven, seven years ago. Mm. seven or eight now well, this, anyway yeah so that was the second year and that that was i think that was about the second week in november somewhere okay. in there and then after that for a number of years i kept going in november always trying to hit that rut mm-hmm. and i only ever hit it perfectly one time yeah and i've I, heard that's the biggest struggle with it all i went down with some family uh, my dad and my brother was along, okay, okay. and we cleaned house. I remember mm. that. Oh, man, we cleaned house. <laughs> we did so well. I, 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 I can't even talk about the best day of deer hunting because it even, <laughs> it even surpassed the August hunt. Um, I'm talking about calling in buck after buck after buck yeah. in a day. Right. Just, I mean, they were like on a, on a conveyor belt through the woods, just running in. <laughs> And I kept on Flowing. shooting. <laughs> and my hunting partner kept on shooting. And uh, we, we just about could have limited out on our tags in one day. Wow. Both of us. That's insane. It was unreal. Wow. Ne- never seen it like that before. Never seen it like that since. <laughs> um, two years later, that spot, big old uh, mudslide happened. Mm. Knock down all my old old growth where mm. the where, where those bucks like to rut yeah. and uh, and rub on some of those trees. Spot's never been the same since. Yeah, 
So I keep going back every year and trying to find a new spot. There you go. Because they're, they're, they're going to be in there somewhere. There you go. But uh, I, I, so anyway, that's how, that's how I have to say, uh, I hunted the November slot, you know, give or take a few days here and there trying to find that November peak rut. And I only ever found it the one time. Yeah. So I've tried December uh, for, for a few years now, and that, that seems to work out pretty well. It is definitely post-rut but the deer are still responding to calls. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's a bit more challenging in some ways. They're less predictable in where they're going to be because they might be 500 foot up the hill. They might be working the beaches. There right. might be two feet of snow. There might be no snow. Well, and as we and, saw... And if there's no snow, yeah. like what we had happen last mm-hmm. year to three of us when we were there together... You're up a creek without a paddle. Well, and the thing is, I mean, in total, what happened to us last year was it changed multiple times. Yeah. Just throughout the, the what, eight days we were out there, I think it was. Yeah, something um, like that. And when you guys first got we, there, we there was up, almost no snow. There was no snow and it was super cold. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't a deer to be seen. No. You know, and then it absolutely dumped snow. Yeah, and all of a sudden, all the deer showed up. About three days into the hunt, it dumped snow. Yeah, and we ended up getting two or three feet. Yeah, in like in, a day or in two. A day or two. Yeah, and, and right. then the beach hunting started being really good. They started. Yeah. They came all the way down. Yeah. looking for feed. Yeah, um, and then it rained. Yeah, <laughs> oh. then it was just pouring down rain, and all I the snow went away happens. again. And then yeah. it was just, yeah. you know, and and that's a huge thing. I yeah. mean, just in in a seven to 10 day period yeah you can have to adjust your game plan daily yep so yep no it, it's a very very interesting strategy and that you know mm-hmm. my, my buddy uh remington is is coming down with mo and i it's just just three of us this year uh, for, for this for this trip i mean and uh Re- remington and i both agree that that's what makes it the most fun mm-hmm. to go in december you're not thinking about the rut. Yeah. You're not able to guarantee that they're going to be above the brush line like you would in August. You can't guarantee that it's going to snow. Right. <laughs> you can't guarantee that anything's going to even come into your call. Mm-hmm. And we've had some hunts where we've gone home and hunted a week and a half and shot one deer in December. And yet here we are again. And because there's something about that challenge that just makes it special. Right. Yeah. And the duck hunting is phenomenal. So <laughs> that is well, true. that's a new thing. You, you didn't do that till last I year. I didn't right? do that until last year. And yeah. I, I personally, I still haven't even done it. I haven't even picked up a shotgun except to hand you guys yours out of the boat when we got <laughs> back to camp. At right. night. Um, but yeah, I, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't shot any ducks or, or yeah. waterfowl down there that ever. Was, that was a lot of fun last year. Yeah, How you many guys. Different, what did we shoot? Seven different species. You I think guys so. shot six or seven. Yeah. Wow. You guys shot. Uh, and we shot like pretty consistently every you day. Shot birds every day. I think. Yeah. I yeah. think yeah. every every single day we were shooting. There birds. was there was a day we got like three deer and we didn't get any ducks that day. Oh, that's true because we were we were speeding back. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was getting it was getting it yeah because getting past the, the, re- the re- recovery yeah. had taken a little bit longer than we expected so yeah because typically yeah we would we would end a little bit early and then go hunt yeah go hunt ducks and yeah. kind of commit that last little bit what? before the end of shooting light because you know shooting light ends when legal light ended we still had enough light to get back to camp and yeah, and yeah. do whatever we needed yeah. to do so yeah exactly we would dedicate 
a little bit of time at the end of each day for duck hunting. And, and that I was a thought, great plan. I, I had a great. I, I thought great you guys killed ducks every day. We didn't get ducks that day. I specifically remember getting back. And Are you sure? I, which man, day was that? No, Because I've or, got a picture of three deer on the beach and a bunch of ducks. I'm pretty sure we did, actually. Because I, I have the, yeah, I know that picture. I have the same picture. Yeah. There yeah. was one day we didn't get ducks. Was there? There was. I know there was. Uh, yeah. But I think we shot like 14 total or something like that. It was between some, the two yeah, of us. It was good. Yeah. It, it was a really good time. And, and you know, the, the fun part for me was, you know, being able to try the different species. Yeah. You know, and, oh, and I loved it. you know, cook them up different ways and whatnot and, and just have a great time with it. And I mean, the golden eyes. Phenomenal. Golden eyes are my favorite. And we brought some back too. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of an interesting tangent that I wasn't planning on going down, but yet here we are and- I love these. My my foot's on the gas, so (laughs) (laughs) buckle up or get behind me. He's shifting gears, folks. Um, The other day on YouTube, a a, a new to me hunting show popped up. Okay. And it's probably not a show that I would watch a whole lot, but it's Barstool Outdoors. Okay. Are you familiar with Barstool Sports? Mm-mm. Okay, with David Portnoy. Anyway, interesting story to how the company started as a whole. I, I think Rogan has had him on a few times to talk about random you know, topics. Okay. But Dave Portnoy is a really interesting guy, but he started kind of, uh, as, as I understand it, it's related to the Barstool Outdoors franchise, or if it's just called the Barstool franchise, wh- whatever that is. But it's Barstool Outdoors. And it's... Uh, it's a gal that that's uh, that's kind of the the host of the show, if you will. Okay. And they had on uh, Old Man Ranella mm-hmm. for a migratory bird hunt, and Steve was on there, and it, it was it was not far off of like a main highway system. There was cars going by in the background, yeah. But there were all these ducks and geese coming through, and they cleaned house mm-hmm. on those birds. And you know, Steve was packing them up, and the girl was missing them a bunch, and he was giving her a hard time. It, <laughs> I, I don't watch a whole lot of waterfowl hunting. Yeah, but I, that was entertaining. I've seen that pop up, and I haven't watched it. You need to watch it. He makes some really hilarious comments. Like I, okay. I, I yeah. actually laughed out loud. When when he said a few things, it was actually really entertaining <laughs> um, because it wasn't on his show, you know. So he right. he seemed a lot more relaxed mm-hmm. and, and just not quite so serious. Yeah, serious. Right, yeah. Like I, I have to be this person for my show. Uh, it was just neat to see that side of it. But he made a comment about one of the ducks, and he said, I, and I forget which one it was because I'm I, I'm not that big you're not into du- duck you're hunting. Not duck literate. No. I, I'm I'm not a big Duck Dynasty fan, <laughs> uh, but he he mentioned he said you know that this kind of duck is really good when they've been feeding on grain, but if I were to shoot one of these at my cabin in Alaska on the saltwater, mm. this thing would taste terrible, or something to that effect. And it was a duck that I recognized. That yeah, I I thought that you guys had killed at least one of them last year. Probably if I'm did. not mistaken, we killed a lot of them. <laughs> and uh, um, I, I just wanted to kind of wrap that around to say we didn't have any bad ducks last year. Yeah, there the, were some that were less good. Less good. Yeah, really. But I would I would eat them all over again. Like there was none that were I thought like, they were all plenty good. Yeah, there there were none that I would say I I just I, I'll never eat that kind of again. Yeah, you know it, it was just okay. I like the golden eye better. You know, maybe it's more tender or it took the seasoning better or whatever. But like none of them 
really took a bad taste, I don't yeah. think. Which surprised me because I've heard a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Here, um, here's what I'm wondering. Where did those ducks directly come from when we find them? In you that, know that part? I don't so know. In that part of the look state. At the, the migration pattern. So, so I, I was think? studying migration patterns on those yeah. ducks before we went last year, and I'll be getting into that a little bit again this year. Just trying to learn as much about the ducks before the hunt as I can. Um, and what I remember, I mean, you get like 20 species of duck plus that come through Southeast. Mm. Wow. There's a lot of ducks. And now we didn't have 20 species while we were down there. There were maybe 10. Um, yeah. Depending on the time of year. Right. And Mm. there's some of the real popular ones weren't there. Although a few of them were, you know, the, the, uh, the barrels golden eye seemed to be the ones that were there the most. And they also beautiful bird to taste phenomenal. Yeah. And I was talking to, um, some friends from down there and, uh, one of them said the older one of them, said that yeah. Yeah. those ducks, oh man, all those ducks down there taste her- terrible. Yeah. Mm. And the other one of them said, oh no, no, those Barrows Goldeneye are real good. Yeah. Yeah. And if yeah. you get what I'm going at with yeah. that. I'm picking up what you're putting down. And, uh, you know, now you said what, what, where they come from. You know, some of them stay on the coast of Alaska. Yeah. Some of them fly inland to Alaska. Some of them head into Canada. It, there's and all then different, come back but, out but to southeast. It's all they, different they, migration they, they, pattern. But they, do they are they if they're there, let's say November December mm-hmm. time, they've been in Alaska for a while and they just haven't gone south, or they're just coming up. So some it would of make them, sense to me that they've been here for a while. So for some yeah, of yeah, them, that is yeah. south. Yeah, southeast is south. Right, right. That's or as that, far as they go. I believe that that's the case. Some of them, then that is their. I mean, it wouldn't be really? unheard of. I mean, it's and, and relatively some of them, temperate compared to other and, parts. Yeah. Of depending on the time of the year, some of them that's their north right yeah oh and some of them just go kind of more of a east to west hmm. i'd be really interested to know if so, some of those now, ducks i'm sure somebody's gonna be ripping into me on something i've just said because i'm saying all this like well this would be well, a from really looking good at migration topic to patterns revisit a year ago i'm actually gonna I'll, I'll put something out if you have a lot of experience oh yeah absolutely. with waterfowl hunting in alaska let us know and maybe we'll even bring you on the show yeah. and to talk about it with a little bit more you know or a lot more knowledge <laughs> than we have in it, but. <laughs> right yeah, um, that's something that really intrigues me, though. Is just, just thinking back to how good most of those birds were, right. at, at least as far as I can remember, yeah. I didn't have any one of them that I thought was was you know poor well, tasting. And I know there is a big difference in between you know uh, freshwater duck and sea duck, mm. and you got what is it floaters and divers. Yeah, and you know the the, the difference in taste is great between you know all those different right types, just because of what they're eating what they're eating and whatnot um and so maybe it could all just be you you know preference you got to think know. about how we cooked them all too cast iron we fried we, we cast <laughs> iron fried every single one of those ducks yeah no nope did we not i cooked, I cooked a couple of them over the uh cook stove wrapped in tinfoil oh that's right that's i right. forgot about that's that right. yeah Slathered in butter and onions okay. and, and mm-hmm. sauce, but, but still, we did, none of them were really cooked more like a duck is usually cooked. Yeah, and so I think that may have a lot to do with it. We I were, cooked them exactly like I cook black-tailed deer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were camping, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. It was quick. It was easy. It You've only got great. so many cooking options. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of stuff you can cook that way, and it's going to taste good when yeah. it wouldn't taste good in a more traditional meal. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. I, I've eaten a couple of them back home roasted, and they still taste really good. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we, we did I'm, that with a couple of those golden yeah. eyes, and they were phenomenal. But the golden eyes, 
are a good duck. That's true. So I That's shot true. um one of those what, black scoters. Yeah, the scoters. Which yep. phenomenal, cool, really cool duck, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But my did, in my mind, that was one of the ones that didn't taste quite as good. Oh, okay. did, did we get any eiders? We didn't. No, we they didn't, weren't. Okay. They weren't there. Yeah, I didn't think they were. You know what else I'm adding to the to the trip this year? You're gonna do fishing? Fishing rod. I was, there I was hoping you, you were. go. I've already got a rod and reel. Now you're talking. Just one. Just that's all you need. I guess, you know, yeah. This one guy's got to hold the camera, right? Because <laughs> I'm dropping one guy off to uh, to set up for ducks, and then I'm going to go out and rip up some lips, and then one guy's <laughs> going to be on the beach with the other guy with a shotgun waiting for a buck to walk out. There so, you go. I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure we'll all be uh, fishing at some so point. So I also want to yeah. try to get some geese this year. Oh, mm. me too. Uh, dude, after, after last year... And I've, I've talked to some people about that about Heavy. the tactics because we found like wow these are really hard to hunt when <laughs> yeah. we tried to hunt them last if you, year if you if you could legally shoot them with a 300 wind mag it wouldn't have been that hard <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately <laughs> for us my tactic was gonna be to um you know just just in our travels mm-hmm. find a bay where they're kind of hanging out way up in the grass flats and just put me ashore yeah. And I'm just going to have to stalk them because oftentimes they're not that far from the tree line. See, we tried that. They're within shotgun range of the tree line. We tried that, but not from the tree line. That's yeah. true. Not, not, that's not from, from like line. in the trees. Yeah. Like just pretend you're stalking a buck mm-hmm. and he's on the beach. You wouldn't, yeah. you, you I, definitely wouldn't approach him from the open. Right. Right. That could definitely so, work. Yeah. I was, I was thinking, told to do. you know, mm-hmm. grab yeah. your shotgun, load up your magnum. Your uh, your Magnum Bird shot. Yep. Your one in five bismuth and steel. One in three. I got one in five. I'm no, good. I got two in five, and I got a couple different loads. In them. I'm going with one in three. I've got bismuth and tungsten loads. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going with bismuth. There, there went your retirement account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're a steel tungsten steel bismuth combo. So I'm just holding that for hammer bullets to make us some. Bird <laughs> there we <shot>. go. There <laughs> we go. But anyway, yeah, that, that was the same tactic I'd that I'd kind of researched and heard the exact same mm. thing was just stalk them. Just yeah. pop out of the trees and let them have it. That's that's kind of so. what I'd heard too. So. Well, see, and, that, and that's part of the the joy of a trip like this. Oh is, yeah, you know, it's just, just trying to do all new. kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, different I, different deer hunting. I different couldn't duck care hunting, less different. if I kill a buck, man. <laughs> right, <laughs> I'm there for the birds. It's a winter retreat. Fish. <laughs> yeah. No, in in all seriousness, it is a lot of fun, and there are so many other things that you can turn it into. It's mm-hmm. it just makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. Speaking of a lot of fun. Mm. I, I deserve a little bit of credibility for that segue, gents. Well, we got to figure out what the segue right. is first. <laughs> you know what's more fun than deer hunting? <laughs> what's that? Facebook polls. Ooh, <laughs> there we go. Hammer Bullets produces what we at the Northern Hunter consider to be the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are easy to load, extremely accurate, and best of all, they're always in stock and ready to ship. The guys at Hammer designed them so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, it sheds its petals, initiating a massive energy dump while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration. These bullets are built with 100% focus on how they perform on game, and their proprietary designs produce great BCs with specialized pressure grooves for amazing inherent accuracy and speed. They have a minimum expansion velocity of 1,800 feet per second, which allows for long-range shots, but with no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 3030 to the high-velocity round like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. 
To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com and use discount code THENORTHERNHUNTER to drop the hammer on your next adventure. So, uh, <laughs> there is a, uh, I, of course I'm kidding guys, uh, th- th- there is a group on Facebook that I'm part of that's all about uh, sick of black tail deer hunting. Mm-hmm. And I, a couple of weeks ago now, I posted a poll on there. I was just curious. Yeah. It's, it's all black tail deer hunting. I was curious on cartridge preference. Yeah, uh, absolutely. For, for Alaska deer hunting. And that, that can become a little bit of a heated debate there. Oh yeah, <laughs> no. Especially way. on Facebook. No. <laughs> Wait till you see what the other poll options that were added. <laughs> All right, so go go through the ones you you initially put in there, and then what got added? Uh, so the ones I originally put in there were thirty out six, two seventy, three hundred wind mag, six five Creedmoor, six five PRC, two forty three, three oh eight, seven millimeter oh eight, and seven millimeter Remington Magnum. It's a pretty good spread. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I felt like those were really common cartridges. They've yeah. all been out for a long time. Well, except the 6.5 PRC. Even the Creedmoor has been out since, what, 2007 now? That's Yeah, it's a lot older than most people give it credit for. Um, um, even the PRC is, what, four years old now? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's been out for a little while. I think 2018, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the 30-06 was the clear winner Yeah. Uh, by number of votes. It got 171 out of like 885 total votes. Nice on the poll. Uh, so 19 percent of the votes, mm-hmm. w- which is about what I expected. The 270 and the 300 Win Mag and the 308 all pretty much tied for second place. Okay, they all took about 11 or 12 percent of the votes. The 300 Win Mag, uh, I'm sorry, the 65 Creedmoor had about, uh, let's see. 5%, 46 votes. Mm. 6.5 PRC only had 9 votes. Really? 243 Winchester had 54 votes, so 6%. 708 and 7 Rem Mag, let's see, the 7 Rem Mag here had 39 votes at 4%, and the 708 finished with 34 votes at 3%. Hmm. Now, this is what gets entertaining. Because if you're familiar with the Facebook polls, you can add poll options, mm-hmm. and then select your own choice. <laughs> How it, sir? <laughs> I will continue reading. <laughs> Depends where I'm hunting. It was added by an individual. That's many, actually... How many that get? That's actually... I've never a, heard of that cartridge before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's... That one got 32 votes. Ah. ah. Depends on where I'm hunting. Yeah. Okay. On Which... Your, on your cartridge selection. Pretentiousness. Could, okay. could have some validity <laughs> to it, I guess, but... Uh, next one. Mini 30. <laughs> one vote. One vote. Next one. My man. 300 short mag. 300 short mag. 300 short go. mag got 27 votes at 3%. Mo added that one. No, I, I didn't know <laughs> he did. But Mariah, nor yourself, voted. I'm not on Facebook very much. I, know. I don't know if I'm even in that group. No. You should. I, I, I kind of abandoned that. Facebook a while ago. I'll invite you. Well, you should come back. The water's fine. <laughs> Elon fixed social media, so now it's <laughs> now it's all good, right? Right, Instagram? You're going to stop shadow banning us? Anyway. Working on that. So then uh, it goes on to say 300 short mag, 270 short mag, 22250, 50 caliber muzzle, loader, uh, 22 Hornet, 25-06, Norma, 25-06 Ackley Improved, bow and arrow, 375 Holland and Holland, 
4570, 338 Win Mag, 3030, 44 Magnum, 700 Nitro. <laughs> How many votes did that get? Uh, Uno. <laughs> just, just one. 257 Weatherby. In case you want it skinned and cooked for you when you get here. <laughs> 257 Weatherby. 300 Weatherby. 65 Grendel. 6 Arc. 338, 378 Weatherby. 280 Ackley. 260 Remington. 223 Remington. 257 Roberts. 300 Savage. 300 Ultramag. 68 Western. 300 Blackout. 257 Winchester. 58 Caliber Hawken. One vote from Jim Bachetail. If you're familiar with Randy Newberg and Fresh Tracks, you've seen Jim Bachetail hunt with his Hawken muzzleloader. Uh, Flintlock, mm. actually. Phenomenal footage of him killing stuff with a Hawken. Anyway, uh, 280 Remington. Blow dart gun. <laughs> Tim Wells, is that you? I was going to say. <laughs> uh, 28 Nosler, 7mm Mauser, and Ford F-150. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Red, preferably. Uh, and that one got uh, three votes. Nice. <laughs> how, many, uh, how many votes did the six arc get? Uh, the six arc was added by our good friend and neighbor to the east, Cody White. Two votes. Mm. Yeah. All right. That's, I, I think they pretty much covered most of them. I, I don't. I, mean, that's... I, I really can't think of a whole lot of other things. <laughs> said somebody added the 30-30. Yeah, somebody added the 3030. Yeah. I, I don't know. Let's see here. Scroll on back up towards that. There, there were a lot of additions added mm-hmm. on there. I, I did not expect that many folks to add things. The 3030 got 13 votes. And this was specifically a group for Blacktail in Alaska, right? Yes. Okay. So I, yeah. I, I commented on the post and said, just for fun, what's everybody's favorite cartridge for Blacktail hunting? And it ended up getting, in total, 884 votes. And the comments are even more entertaining, but yeah. we're not going to go there. <laughs> I can only imagine. Facebook some, comments. Some sections. people suggesting even, well, yeah. It's anyway, half the reason I'm not on Facebook anymore. Though. It's, it's very entertaining. But <laughs> it's interesting, though, to find what people prefer to use. Well, and what's interesting is there's not a single, like, common denominator. No. There's no, ultra mags. Not. There's slow straight wall cartridges there's right. anywhere, anything in the middle 700 nitros AR platform guns yeah. there's yeah. bolt guns which kind of speaks actions. volumes to the fact that you can lever actions whatever you're comfortable with really flintlock I mean, muzzle loaders yeah. yeah I mean blow dart gun <laughs> which yeah I'd, I'd love to see the footage of that right I'm um, sure it's been done I, I'm sure it has. Whether it's been done tastefully or not is a different story. That's very true. <laughs> um, that's an easy road to get derailed from. Yeah. Uh, just doing things for social media attention. But yeah, it, it was very interesting to see uh, just the wide variety. And and the one comment that I I considered putting it in there myself, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the one poll option was depends on where I'm hunting. Yeah. I was going to write... Depends on time of year. Right. Because I feel like that could genuinely be a consideration. Mm-hmm. It has been for me in the past. Yeah. I have, well, in, in October and November, it is a part of my decision-making process. Right. On what rifle am I going to carry for deer hunting and why am I so concerned about it? Yeah. 
Well, it's less to do about deer and more to do with the fact that the bears are still out in full force and there's still fish in the rivers and there's a lot better chance that I'm going to bump into a bear and I'm not one to pass on a good brown bear. Yeah. So if I get the chance, I want to be able to kill it and I don't necessarily want to be shooting a 243 if I get that opportunity. Absolutely. Not that you couldn't maybe pull it off. But it's not an ideal situation. Shot placement is key, but yeah. That's yeah, shot that. placement, bullet construction, yeah. the list goes on. But that's why I would rather have something probably in the 270 Winchester and up. Right, right. It is yeah. my personal standard. Now, I have seen several videos of people killing bears with those the higher performance 6.5s, like the 6.5 yeah. PRC, 6.5 oh, yeah. 284 Norma, um, yep. things like that. Um, so it can be done. It you know, it's not can. to say it can't be, but I, I would definitely agree with you on that. I, I'd feel comfortable. And that played some role into what I brought last year. I brought my 300 Win Mag. Yeah. Um, because there was some bear sign around, and just in case one poked its head out and I wanted to take a poke at it, yeah. I'd feel a little bit more comfortable shooting it with a 300 Win Mag. And I didn't feel like the 300 Win Mag was going to be too detrimental on a deer. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, right. shooting in the boiler room. Right. You know, shoulder shot. Yeah. Right. You're going to ruin some stuff. But. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But that's the case with a lot of different rounds. I mean, yeah. e- e- even on a 6.5, um, if you hit it right in the shoulder, you're going to lose a lot of meat. Right. Yeah, that's just that's very true. They're not that big of an animal. You know, mm-hmm. average body size for a big buck is 120 pounds or yeah. 135 pounds. Um, someone I do know killed one earlier this season in November that tipped the scales live weight at 145 pounds. Hmm. Absolute fat buck wow really really fat deer mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever shot one that weighs that much right yeah. i've shot the one that i killed last year i think was probably pushing that 125 ish pound range i would say mine was too and yeah. yours was for big sure body it had already dropped yeah. its headgear I, I would love to have seen what oh, that man. deer's headgear looked like yeah i'll go back but, and look for his sheds this year. there you go <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, but it was a big bodied buck though. Yeah, for sure. yeah, for right. sure. And that that that's that's again probably in that 120 to 125 pound range, right. and that's probably about as big as I've seen him get. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it, it's it, it's just kind of an entertaining discussion to have with folks, and just yeah. kind of you know poke the fire a little bit and see what folks well, are interested in. Now I already know where your mindset lands on this, so I'm going to just kind of stoke the fire and let you fly with it. Um, but. A lot of people, when they're having these debates with themselves before they go on a, a black-tailed deer hunt, especially in active bear country, yeah, in that time of year, there's two trains of thought they're going to come across looking at forums, comment sections, things of that nature. One is to bring a rifle that's capable of both. Yeah. You know, not too much for deer, but not too little for bear. Um, or, you know, maybe you run a two-gun arsenal. I think we've talked about that with certain people. Yeah. If you're hunting yeah. with a multiple party. Right. One has a 375 Ruger, one has a 270 or a 6.5, you know, something like that where you can kind of go back and forth if you need to. Yep. Um, The other train of thought, though, is bring the rifle for the deer and the handgun for the bears. Mm. So while that's not the worst advice in the world, it can still get you in some trouble. I guess I should say if you're a resident, mostly. Wait a second. Back up. Well, because you're not going to be hunting the grizz if you're non-resident, unless you have a guide. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Or a brown yeah, bear for in that sure. section, I should say. Right. Yeah. Let me correct right. myself. Brown bear. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I, I just so, wanted to make sure that I knew where you were going with that. Yeah. But anyway, so go, go ahead and put your Well, your I'll, I'll start there. off by saying the worst advice you could give somebody that's going black-tailed deer hunting is to bring 
uh, rifle for deer and a hand uh, and bear spray for bears. <laughs> right. Uh, that's about the worst advice you could give <laughs> for for a rifle hunter. Mm-hmm. A step a step above that as far as bad advice would be to go blow dart gun hunting and bring bear spray for the bears. <laughs> but to to just bring this rocket ship back down to the moon. Um, if you caught my reference there, for all you tinfoil hatters. <laughs> my personal preference has always been to kind of split the difference. Same, yeah. I don't, and, and I know I'm going to get roasted for this by some people that, uh, that are stout handgun carriers in bear country. I don't always carry a sidearm. Really? No. I think you've mentioned that before, and I had the there same are, response. There are <laughs> trips. There are trips where I am really, really diligent about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hunt in August, yeah. I fully expected myself to just leave my 10 millimeter in the tent every day. And just as we walked around and hiked up the mountains and, mm. and hunted deer, I thought I was going to leave it back. But you know why I think I carried it every single day? Why's that? Because it wasn't pouring rain and it didn't have to put on rain gear. Oh, yeah. that could be a big, yeah, that's a big because factor. Because it kind of bunches things together and your yep. raincoat kind of gets caught underneath stuff and it's kind of restrictive. And right. When it's raining a lot, man, number one, I'm not doing that much hunting anyway. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. You guys have both been there. Yeah. When it's pouring down rain that bad, you're looking for a tree to hide under. Yeah. You're not necessarily tiptoeing through the woods and trying to slip out a buck. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, and, and this, okay, I, I don't always carry a handgun hunting every day down there. In most other places, I'm pretty on top of having a handgun on me at all times. Mm. Down there, the biggest reason why I don't always have a handgun on me is I've always got a rifle in my hand. Right. It's not slung on your back or anything. Because of the style of hunt that that is, my rifle isn't hanging off my backpack very often. Right. If ever, more than like for two right. minutes to give my hand a break. I was going to say, the only time it. I remember either of us really putting our rifles slung on our pack or over our shoulders was just to, you know, climb over something steep or yeah. get through something thick, like you yeah. know, something where it was just, you couldn't have it right in front of you. Right. You know. The reason for that is you're still hunting. Mm-hmm. You're going, you know, 10, 15 yards at a time if even that far at a time, stop, kind of hunch down and, you know, bend your knees and, and tilt down and look under the trees and look through the branches and you're looking to change that angle and, and look at every bit of the view that you have from where you're at, right? To look and try to see if a deer is in your line of sight somewhere. And then maybe you call a little bit and then you advance 40 yards or right. 100 yards or 200 yards, whatever you decide that number is. And then you stop again. So, point being, you could bump a deer at any time. Yeah. A deer could come running into the call at any time. You could stop and look around and spot one at any time in the trees. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, your shots, when you're up in the woods, your shots, your shot opportunities are usually not more than five seconds long. Right. A lot of times, they're less than that. It's snap shooting, basically. It's pretty fast. Yeah. And that's why, if you have your gun on your pack... And you're going through the brush, and all of a sudden, boom, there's a buck. Eh, well, guess what? Yeah. There's a good chance he's going to walk away laughing, and you're going to be 
you know, face palming yourself. And yeah, uh, what was I doing with my gun on my backpack? That was a stupid idea. <laughs> um, three times now, I have stopped middle of the day to inreach somebody while I was hunting deer. Mm-hmm. Stopped while I was walking a deer trail. Middle of the day, I thought this was a bad time to be hunting. I thought, man, I haven't seen any deer all day yet. Uh, I, I, I got to send an inreach message. Three different times, this exact same situation is happening. While on a deer trail, I'm staring down at my inreach, trying to type out a message, and I look up, and there's two deer, not one, two. Three different times, there have been two deer that have run up together mm. on me under 40 yards and just froze and stood there. Two or three years ago, the last time that happened, it was with my wife, and it was two does, and they ran up to like five, six yards away and just stopped and stood there. <laughs> kind of um, scared me a little bit <laughs> right. because you turn around and you're, whoa, whoa, uh, <laughs> what are you doing here? You know? like, but the first thought that came to my mind was, I just looked there. Uh-huh. How did this happen? Yeah. They come through just silently. They're just little ghosts, just mm-hmm. little forest ghosts. Well, and, and they're smaller than a lot of the trees. Oh, they're so small yeah. compared to everything else in there. I mean, half those trees are bigger around than they are long. Right. So they're they huge. Standing right behind it. You walk right past. Yeah. And that's why every couple of steps, I stop and I look around and I hunch over and I bend down and I look at every angle because behind any one of those given trees, there, yeah. could, be, there could be three deer standing behind there. <laughs> right. You know, there could be a gully wash that you don't see mm. until you change that angle. So my point being is I don't always carry a handgun because I've always got a rifle. Yeah. And to your point, I think it's a class act stupid idea to go into bear country and rely on a handgun to protect you. A handgun only. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If you bring a 243 and you say, I have confidence in my 44 Magnum that that is going to stop a bear. Plain and simple, unless you're part of like that one or two percentile of hunters that really, really practices a lot with their handgun. Yeah. And they can shoot that thing in their sleep upside down, backwards behind their back with their left hand. Yeah. While being spun in a circle and still stop a charging bear. Unless you're one of those guys. Yeah. You are being fooled into thinking that that's a safe option. Which, and... You know, most people that are carrying these big, you know, 44 mag and above, you know, big cartridge handguns, unfortunately, aren't practicing very much. Yeah. Because it's not fun to shoot at the range. One or two percent, maybe. For me, I I spent a lot of time finding a round that I both trusted and could shoot regularly. Yeah. um, In my 44 Magnum, because. I want to be able to go and practice. I want to go at least shoot a cylinder through it once a month or something like that and make sure I'm on point, make sure I can draw and shoot. Um, And so I've spent a lot of time focusing on that. If you're shooting a a 44 Magnum and you're shooting, I don't know, 320 grain plus P bear loads out of that thing, you're not probably going to be shooting it very often because it's not a lot of fun. Right. and so you you really have to focus on making it a platform you, that's shootable. Right. Um, now, even that being said, I would not, you know, start shooting with my 
my 44 until it's pert near on top of me. Yeah. You know, that's that's kind of a, a handgun's place. Right. Is it's a last resort. You know, right. you're not going to be shooting a bear that's 20 yards away with a handgun. Right. Um, and if you are, you're kind of initiating, you know, yeah. that fight there. Right. Right. Um, if you have time to reach for your rifle yeah. and use your rifle instead of a handgun. Mm-hmm. Now, the exception would be these guys that say that they wanted to hunt with a 243 or a 223 or a 220 Swift. Yeah. In that event, <laughs> man, I'd be trying real hard not to shoot a bear. <laughs> because I certainly wouldn't want to shoot one with a 220 Swift, although Frank Glaser has proved that, or Frank Glazer, however you want to pronounce his last name, Alaska's Wolfman, mm-hmm. has done it. Oh, and yeah. It did do it back in the day. Uh, not exactly ideal. I think um, it took 11 rounds to put that bear down. Was that with the 220 Swift? That was. He was, was that the he Box was Canyon hunting. bears? No, that was the one up in 40 Mile Country when he was following the, the caribou herd. He had the 220 with him to hunt wolves. Okay. Um, and he came up on a bunch of brush and a bear jumped out at him. Okay. And that's the only good round okay. he had. Yeah, I didn't remember that exactly. What situation. I wish I could see, if I had the ability to go back in history... He was using a bolt-action rifle in the 40s or 50s. Yeah. I think it was the late 40s. 220 Swift, 11 rounds. Yeah. That mag don't hold 11 rounds. Oh, no. No, definitely not. <laughs> I would love to see his reloading during that, that dance. Probably he involved a whole it. lot of running. He <laughs> describes it very vividly. I mean, he's going back and forth, and did, this bear's lunging at him. Did he have his dogs with him? I think he had one dog with him. Did he have Queenie? I want to say. No, I think Queenie was dead by then. Oh. Sorry if anybody hasn't read the book. But, um, <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was when Fish and Game hired him to follow the 40 mile herd. Right. Okay. So I think he may have had one dog at that point, but for the most part, I think his team was back in Fairbanks gotcha. or disbanded. Gotcha. So. Well, anyway, to wrap back to the point of, <laughs> I wouldn't really want to take on a bear, mm-hmm. whether it's an interior grizzly bear or a coastal brown bear. Yeah. But talking about deer hunting, a coastal brown bear with anything less than. Okay. In direct comparison to a handgun choice. Mm-hmm. If I had, say, a 44 Magnum, I would pull the handgun first. If I had a 243, if I had an aggressive bear at close range, I would pull the handgun first. Think so? Yep. You wouldn't pop one shot off and throw the rifle? Nope. That's what I'd do. I might not reload the 243, but that first I need to have that handgun up because I'm yeah. not pulling any triggers yeah. <laughs> until that thing is committed to the charge. Switch, switch to secondary. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, n- well, now, it, if I had a six five and up, mm-hmm. a two sixty four caliber or up, I would probably stick with that first. Yeah. But then you get into your whole bullet selection thing. That's true. Because if you're shooting a hundred and twenty grain Barnes TTSX out of a six five Creedmoor, that's really not a whole lot much more than a two forty three mm-hmm. with a hundred grain. Nosler Acubond or, right, or, or Nosler right. Partition, um, which are both kind of the common weights and bullet designs used in those respective calibers for, yep. for blacktail hunting. Six millimeter versus six five. Yeah. Right. So 
And, and that's not a whole lot of a difference, you know, six millimeter versus six five makes it sounds pretty innocuous. Right. Yeah. And so that, <laughs> that, that might not seem like a lot, but for me, I, for some reason, and this is, this is very much unscientific. This is just my personal opinion. Mm. But in my mind, like there's just enough of a difference there that a six five can do it, and I know a twenty two can do it, and I know a, yeah, <laughs> I know a two sixty four can do it. Okay, well, but that two forty three is just a bit too small. And arguably, to that point, there's a lot of things in how animals react to certain cartridges and certain calibers that you can't figure out from looking at a chart. Oh yeah, yeah you know, absolutely. there's a lot of chart nerds out there, yeah. and I, I'm guilty. I'm one of them. I love looking at right, charts. I right. love comparing cartridges and looking at different calibers and different you know weights and speeds and all this different stuff. And I love obsessing over the numbers, but yeah, that doesn't always equate to effectiveness. Uh, and sometimes there's just factors outside of what you're looking at on your chart. You know how much velocity and energy and and whatever it has. Bullet construction plays a huge factor into it, regardless yeah. of your BCs. Right, you know, right, right. BCs don't kill. You know, BCs get your bullet there, but BCs right. don't kill. So, right. you know, bullet construction, I guess that right. BC would kill. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a huge factor to look into. Uh, you've pointed out the difference in, you know, certain Magnum cartridges compared to a 375 Ruger, which is much slower than those Magnums. Right. But still, is much more effective due to its diameter. Right. So, you know, there's just factors on how it actually impacts the game it's, it's, that you can't see from a ballistics calculator. Displacement. Yeah. And, you know, something else that I, that I try to get folks to consider as well, people love to compare, say, the 6.5 PRC to the 300 Win Mag. Mm-hmm. And apples and oranges. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that exact example. And that ballistically speaking, on paper, yeah, the 6.5 PRC outperforms a 300 Win Mag out past, I think it was four or 500 yards. And that was with the 6.5 PRC with a 143 grain ELDX going 3,000 feet per second, I believe. And compared to a 300 Win Mag with a 180 grain uh, Nosler Acubond, I believe, going okay. about 2960. Yeah. And that is an accurate comparison between two very commonly right. found factory loads and, and factory bullet options for each respective cartridge. And, and the weight that goes along with and it. And the weight yeah. class. Yeah. yeah. Gen- generally speaking, it's a 180 for the 300 Win Mag and a 140 ish for the 6.5 PRC. Yeah. It's designed for heavy for caliber. And somewhere around four or 500 yards, the 6.5 PRC will outrun it. Mm-hmm. It'll retain more velocity. It'll retain more energy. It I think will, it has a little bit less drop, doesn't it? it? W- it's probably a little bit flatter. Maybe. yeah. And it'll buck the wind a lot better. That's due to its ballistic coefficiency. However, this is where I get hung up in this argument. What is 0.264 times 2? Uh, 0.512. 0.528. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, I messed that one up, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> Do I'm, better. I've been sick, <laughs> okay? Re- remember that number, though. 0.528. <laughs> okay? This, this, this is right. not a math test, but just remember that number. 0.528. What is 0.308 times 2? 616. 616. <laughs> 616 <laughs> minus 0.3. 528 is a difference of 0.088. Mm. Okay. Now, 0.088. Hold on to that number. Let's go back to the original difference of 
0.264, the difference between that and 0.308 is 0.85. Mm-hmm. So plus 0.88. Right. Yeah. You're looking at a big difference in, the, in There is diameter. a huge difference. And the, the, the reason that I double that number for each respective bore diameter is that is in an ideal world, sometimes more what your final expansion diameter is yeah. after impact. Diameter of the mushroom. Yeah. So obviously a 30 caliber is going to expand to over 0. 0.6. What, mm-hmm. but 0.616. Yeah. 2.64 or 6.5 millimeter is only going to expand to 0.528. Yeah. So that, that, that difference is magnified after expansion. Well, and people might not think that sounds like a lot, but when you're looking at different cartridges next to each other, different bullet diameters next to each other. Yeah. I mean, when you're looking at the difference between a 338 and a 338, right? I mean, it's... A 338 and a 338? Or sorry, a 308 and a 338. <laughs> sorry. Um, <Okay. laughs> 308 and 338. You okay. know, I mean, you're looking at, you know, hundredths of a difference. Yeah. So it's like, it's, there's not that, it's not really that big of a deal going from cartridge to cartridge. Yeah. Or it is, a, it doesn't look like a big deal. Right. Sorry, I'm mixing my words here. On but paper. It is, but it is a big deal. Yeah. On paper, it doesn't look like, it, look exactly, like a big of a deal. Exactly. Yeah. But in felt, how the animal feels it, it makes and a huge difference. That's where this whole enigma has come from in the last, oh man, how many years have we heard oh. the term knockdown power? Yeah. That's where that comes from. Yeah. Because certain bore diameters just kill faster. Yeah. It's yep. just proven. It's, yep. it's just how it is. It's not a scientific thing. It just no. is. Like it's no. a universal no. truth. People can argue six ways till Sunday about, well, you know, six, five creed more will kill elk. And will it? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But we're Solo not talking. Two, two, we're not talking about a perfect broadside shot at 100 yards. Mm. I'm not talking about shooting a brown bear with a six, five creed more in a, in a hunting situation. I'm talking about as a blacktail deer hunting primary rifle. Mm-hmm. Is that really the cartridge that you want to stop a charging brown bear? Mm-hmm. That's that is the, the real dilemma here. Yeah, yeah, and it's now I'll put a, a quick twist on that for the situation a lot of these guys might be talking about. Um, okay. One guy, you know, even put in the thing depends on where I'm hunting, kind of stuff. Right. When we were there last year, we saw other people out and about um, yeah. hunting with different methods. Yeah. Some people beach hunt that time of year. Yeah. And that is all. They run around on their boats and they hunt the beaches and then they'll jump out on the beach or shoot from the boat if you're allowed to in whatever area you're in. The rules change depending on where you're at. Yeah. Um, and harvest the deer, gut it out, throw it on the boat, keep going. Yeah. Um, in that instant, I know people that hunt that way. And they're the ones that are typically advocating for, you know, two, two, three or, right. or six millimeter, some of those smaller rounds because right. they're not, they're not out there in the thick, yeah. you know, they're not, they're not hiking hills. They're not going up through the trees and, and, you know, going up river bank or rivers and yeah. you know, creeks and whatnot where they're, they might bump into a bear. Yeah. They're, you know, and, and so I, in, in that respect for different people hunt different ways, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody's changing their strategy day to day they just might not go hunt if they can't hunt the beaches yeah right so that would be a very different situation than what you're talking about and what we have done you know where we some days we're hunting beaches if they're on the beach if they're not on the beach we're going up the hill right or we're going 
going up some creek or we're going out some other area. Like we're, we're, we're still out there. Yeah. Where you're more likely to run into a bear. Not to say you can't run into one on the beach, but you're a lot closer to the boat. <laughs> right. 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 Well, and with that, Dalton, you mentioned 120 grain, six, five out of a six, five creed more. Yeah. It's thinking, man, that's still not very much. Right. Yeah. It's still pretty small. Now I'm going to be one of the rifles I'll be hunting with this year is a 30, 30 with 120 grain hammer hunter. Yeah. But I somehow will feel so much more comfortable with that 3030 in my hands than I would with a 6.5 Creedmoor. Right. It's just in the name, Mariah. It's it just, might be. It's just the name. It's a lever action 3030 versus, you know, this little. <laughs> more bullet than there is case. <laughs> but see, to that no. point, though, your frontal diameter right. is a 30 caliber yeah. versus a 264. Right. Yeah. So you do have your. And your expansion difference mm-hmm. and your total expanded bullet diameter. Well, with a hammer hunter, there's not really an expanded bullet well, diameter. Yeah, but, yeah, but there's but a, there's a flat face. There's that, displacement. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. displacement that that is right. very different between those two diameters. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's an interesting topic to to discuss. Um <laughs> like I said, I split the difference. Mm. I've been carrying a seven mag or a three hundred. Or um or, or even a thirty out six mm. for uh the majority of the time that I've that I've hunted yeah. deer and I would feel perfectly comfortable with a thirty out six oh yeah honestly I mean that's that's there's plenty of gun in there yeah <laughs> plenty of gun <laughs> the nice part about the out six is it's a little bit anemic on the speed side mm-hmm. it's not a magnum cartridge right it is pretty. Pretty moderate as yeah. far as performance and you know ballistic ability, and it's not your one mile killer gun, and right. But it doesn't need to be. I would say it mm-hmm. falls in that sweet spot where it's not yeah. a slow cartridge per se. Yeah, you know, I mean, it can be. I guess if you load it up at two twenties, but like, yeah, you know, it's it's a moderate one. Yeah, you know, it's not a. Yeah. It's not going to be flinging stuff at a hundred and eighty grain bullet is around twenty seven hundred feet per second. Right on average. Right. Sometimes a little more. Sometimes a little less. Uh, if you go down to the 150s, you can get closer to that 3,000 foot per second. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, if you if you shoot about a 180 grain bullet or so, you're going to have enough gun that you can penetrate deeply into the vitals on a bear. Right. But it's also not so fast and oversized that if you shoot a black-tailed deer yeah. at 30 yards, you're going to destroy the meat within a 12-inch circle around the bullet hole. Yeah. Plenty of bears have been killed with an OT6. Yeah. I mean, plenty of them. Right. So, right. But it's a good time to talk about that. Yeah. So, as part of your cartridge selection for deer hunting, you know, especially in Alaska where a lot of our animals are much bigger and this probably isn't as much of a problem. Yeah. um, Is meat preservation or or not not in the sense of post kill, but like not bloodshotting more meat than you absolutely have to. Right. While splitting the difference. Right. Like we had been talking about. Mm-hmm. So the, the most accurate train of thought I have seen in my experience is that fat and slow damages less meat than small and fast. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know exactly what the science behind it is, aside from maybe the rippling effect when a fast bullet smacks into the animal. Maybe that shock just jellos yeah. the meat better. Okay. Um, but I have seen, you know, the difference between a 6.5 versus even like a forty-five seventy. Oh, yeah. 
um, where you've got a massively bigger bullet, but it's going way slower. Right. Um, and it might, it might jello a little bit of meat around like a half inch diameter, as long as you hit the boiler room, right? If you hit a shoulder, like we talked about, you're, you're pretty much, you're going to yeah. damage meat regardless. Yep. Um, but for some reason, the heavier the bullet, it doesn't seem to be as much of a factor as the speed. And a lot of people don't seem to understand that. You know, I've, when I would tell people I was hunting deer, whether it's down in Ohio or, you know, bringing, uh, the 450 Bushmaster to Michigan or something like that. Yeah. You know, people always talk about, oh man, you're going to cut that deer in half or, oh right, man, you're going right. to bloodshot half the meat. And it, yeah. it, it's almost quite the opposite, right? You, you take a, a, a Magnum cartridge yeah. and, and you hit a deer at way over 3,000 feet per second, you're going to do way more damage than you will around that, like with the 30 out six, that 2,600, 2,700 feet per second mark or even lower than that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but what, what's your experience been with deer specifically? You've shot more, more deer than either of us two have. Probably with knowing you, a, a, a varying selection of cartridges. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, boy. Here we go. Off, off into the weeds I go again. Um, I think the smallest one I ever shot a deer with is probably the 7 mag. Okay. And the largest one being a 375 H&H. And the 7 mag, when paired with a non-match grade bullet Mm -hmm. and a non-ballistic tip bullet. Okay. And by ballistic tip, I am directly referring to the Nosler ballistic tip. (laughs) I don't mean any bullet with a polymer tip Mm -hmm. because probably the vast majority of bullets now all have polymer tips for most of them. Increased yeah. expansion characteristics and better ballistic coefficient. Um, but with the seven mag, if if I'm shooting like 160 grain Nosler Acubond or mm-hmm. 162 grain Hornady ELDX or 150 grain Hornady CX or something like that, whether it's mono metal or uh, cup and core non-bonded lead mm-hmm. core bullet or whether it's a lead core bonded bullet. Uh, as long as I keep the shots in the ribs, like in the ribs, out the ribs, right? not hitting the stomach, not hitting any part of the shoulders, that's a fine cartridge for that. Yep. It's definitely a bit on the fast side. <laughs> yeah. In an ideal world, it would be nice to just shoot everything with a 243. And I've got a 243 that I, <laughs> that, that I certainly could bring. And the thought crossed my mind this year. I thought, you know, there's going to be three of us hunting there. And I'll have other guys around with guns. But then it crossed my mind. Well, what if I pick the day to bring the 243 that they both want to bring their 3030s? Mm-hmm. And now we've all got you know, pathetic little guns. But hey, <laughs> we'll have a lot of bullets we can put into that well, thing. We, we, will have, we will have Very a lot quickly. of bullets. Yes. And, and in all reality, I am joking. I'm not, I'm, not ba- I'm not making that decision based off of my concern for bear defense. I, that's, that's, I was just making a joke there. But um, shot placement is everything. Mm, yeah, and it is. Bullet construction is really important when you're talking about bears, but you can kill a deer with a rock if you throw it hard enough, it seems like. <laughs> you can. Those deer go down pretty easily. Where where the difference comes in is 
your your shot limitations. Yeah. Can you take that hard quartering shot? Can you go through the opposing shoulder without I damaging the shoulder? I haven't shot a single cartridge that would go in and out of a deer that I would shoot on a hard quartering shot and not expect a lot of meat damage. Right. Meaning, if I was shooting a twenty-two Hornet, yeah. <laughs> I would shoot that deer from any angle because yeah. that bullet's probably not going to make it all the way out to their side. Mm-hmm. Especially if I'm shooting a frangible, lightweight bullet. Yeah. That bullet is going to go in and it's going to come apart and it's not going to go out. So I'll shoot that I'll shoot that deer from any angle. Right. As right. long as I don't have to enter through heavy bone or muscle. With a seven mag, I'm not probably going to Texas heart shot a black tailed deer. Mm-hmm. Because that bullet is going to destroy right. both of the back quarters and probably parts of both of the front quarters as well. And it's gonna it's gonna suck vacuum through that deer, it's going to suck stomach content and intestinal content all the way up through that chest cavity. It's going to ruin the heart. Mm-hmm. It's going to splatter gut matter all over the inside of the ribs. It sounds like you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> it's a painful experience to talk about. Okay, okay. But point being, you do well, destroy a lot of meat yeah. when you take some of those shots. And yes, earlier on, I took any shot I could get. Last year, when I was trying to be selective on my shots, I sat there and darn near froze my hand off trying to wait for a shot with my glove with my glove off my hand. Right. Because I didn't want to shoot that deer right. on a hard quartering shot. And so I waited until that little spike turned broadside. Yep. And I shot him behind the shoulder. Didn't destroy any meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the big daddy buck stood up from behind him and was facing me. And so I shot him square on the chest. <laughs> because when they're that big, you just, you just, don't, <laughs> right. you just don't wait. <laughs> right. And that was a, what, about 200 yards? It was 200 even. Okay. Oh, yeah. And you yeah. shot that small doe. Yeah. Smaller doe. Smaller doe. Yeah. S- smaller than any other deer I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. Three hundred wind bag. You haven't seen enough deer. You haven't okay. seen enough right. deer to make well, that judgment. True. It was, it was true. The seven mag. Was that the seven mag? Yeah, that was yeah. a seven. I shot everything yeah. with seven mag last. That's year. right. Okay. Well, you shot that thing from twenty yards when it popped out of the trees. It was close. It may have been a skosh more than that, but it yeah, may a little more. It was, but it was pretty close. forty max. Yeah, yeah it's pretty close. And I mean, you pretty much just put it in the guts, right? Right in front of the guts. It was um, quartering it, away. Yeah, it was quartering away, and I shot it in the back of the ribs, and it came up behind the opposite shoulder. Mm-hmm. And your description of that was it basically just sucked everything. Yeah, it sucked everything out the exit. Yeah. 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 Well, it was a very small animal and with a very fast bullet. Yeah. All those deer are small well, for a 7 mag, just to well, be clear. 3,000 feet a right. second at 35 yards is a lot of velocity. Now, I shot, you know, I had wounded the deer. And then I shot it at 30 yards with my 300 short mag. See, I didn't wound any of mine, but you did. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Although all, all my shots were a lot further. So that's that too. Um, just say I, I got a little we're bit of an excuse. We're going after it in this one. Folks. This is just going down the drain. <laughs> um, I did kill the deer I shot at. So you did. You did. I'll leave that at that. Um, but I shot that other deer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. See, this is just turning into a great bundle of memories. This is just some my of us, favorite yeah. Christmas some. cheer. <laughs> Anyhow, so I wounded the one, tracked it. 
it was like 30 yards away and it was quartering away from me, but it was in the water and it stopped on a rock. So I shot. Yeah. And, um, I went and, and instead of going towards the, uh, back of the ribs, I went mm. to the front of the ribs right behind the front shoulder. Yeah. And, um, it was perfect. Barely even hurt any meat. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. With a 300 short mag, 30 yards, which is still going 3000 feet per second. Oh yeah. With a 168. 165. Barnes TTSX. Pretty sure those are 168s. Positive they're 165s. All right, if you say so. Anyhow, uh, with a 165 Barnes TTSX. And those are going and, like 3120 at the muzzle. Yeah. yeah. Those are, so it was going like... They're, at, they're yeah. zipping. They're hauling. Yeah. It, uh, that deer, I mean, you say you, you can put them down with, with just about anything, but yeah. man... He was full of adrenaline. They're tough. He, point. He, uh, he, he took off swimming into the stream. And when we found him, he didn't have anything for vitals left. Yeah. No. Oh, no. No, he, <laughs> right. he was dead. But still, I was, didn't am- know it yet. I was amazed at that shot. That I mean, I thought I ruined half of each shoulder, front mm-hmm. of one and right. back of the other. Right. But it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I would say in, in that instance, that's a little bit more weird given the speed that it hit. Right. Because I also went through a shoulder on my deer. Now, mine I shot with did a... You? Oh, that's... I did. Yeah. So, mine like, was like at the very 400, top. 450 yards. Yeah. Um, and I was hunting with my 300 wind mag and 200 grain nozzle partitions. Yeah. So, I hit that thing pretty much square. It was slightly quartering away. Yeah. Um, I hit it square in the lungs right where I wanted to, but then it exited basically center punching the opposite shoulder. Yeah. Um, now, we had... There were some contributing factors to why I had to take the shot that I did, but... Um, <laughs> we, we weren't alone. Let's just say that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. there was some shooting going on up, you know, up a different way, and that deer yeah. started to move. And so, um, but so I took the shot, put it down. Yeah, and ex, you know, I went through and through. Yeah, did not damage a bit of meat on that opposing shoulder, but a two a two hundred grain nozzle partition, even out of a three hundred wind mag at four hundred and fifty yards, I was right. going a little bit less than two thousand feet per second. So, really? Yeah. That slow? Just a little bit. Yeah. It only comes out the muzzle at like 27, 2750, somewhere in there. Yeah. I, so, I can see that. But um, wow. Yeah. And not great BCs. So, well, no. But it but, huh. depends on elevation too, because you can get those things. Um, I think you're about out a to a little above bit sea level. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Maybe three. <laughs> Maybe. But uh, I, I was resting on top of my backpack. Yeah, so we'll yeah. give us some. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so I I was like just south of of 2000 feet per second, no meat damage huh. coming out the other side of that. So it's it's interesting to think. I mean, you know, there's a lot of different factors to it, but you know, you want to make sure you're not like you had said Texas heart shooting with a 300 Remington Ultra mag. Oh boy. You know. <laughs> I mean, there's not going to be any of that deer left. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, terrible. Terrible decision. So it it really is a, a huge balancing act when you're trying to select for this animal. It's just, it's like the smallest, one of the smallest animals you can hunt in Alaska, yeah. if not the smallest. Right. That's still considered big game. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that's probably true. Yeah. I I can't think of a argument for that. I mean, unless some folks might consider wolves big game, but technically they are. Yeah. yeah. Are they really? Yeah. yeah. I, okay. I, I think the cutoff is forty pounds. But they're more. I think Anything over 40 pounds is considered a big game, if I remember correctly. But they're more the is same really? size. I think so, yeah. As blacktail. <laughs> pretty close no, to the same. No, blacktails are bigger. They're a little heavier, bigger. But yeah. It, yeah. It depends on the deer. It depends yeah. on the wolf. Also but, depends on the wolf, yeah. Hey, that one I shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it wasn't no 150 pounder. It was, it was close. 
No, no. <laughs> hey, you, you said it was 140. No, I did not. You did on the spot. Now, we didn't have a scale, but that's what you said on the spot. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of things get said at hunting camp. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. I, I don't I don't recall ever saying that I thought that wolf was 140 pounds. I so, recall saying that I thought it could have been like 110 or 120 because we couldn't well, shoulder it. We couldn't shoulder it. It was monstrous. It was an easy uh, 120. But anyway, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting debate to have yeah. about about light and fast for just deer, you know, for having mm-hmm. a laser versus having a little bit heavier, a little bit slower, a little more controlled expansion, a little less chaos, if you will, for meat damage. And uh, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, it's just personal preference. There, yeah. are, there are a lot of guys that kill big brown bears with 308s and 708s true. and 6.5 Creedmoors and... You know what? More power to them. It's <laughs> right. it's not my ideal choice, right? Um, I I like I said, I made my position pretty clear uh, throughout our episodes. Mm-hmm. I think for a brown bear, I ought to start with a thirty out six and up. That's mm-hmm. that's what I would recommend. If somebody was asking me and they said, "Can I kill a Kodiak brown bear or a coastal Alaska brown bear with a thirty out six? I need to go out and buy a new gun." The answer is no. Right. You do not need to. You can do it. Right. With the right bullets, put in the right spot at the right distances and the right self-control to wait for the right shot, mm-hmm. it can be done, and it is easily done, relatively speaking, compared to all the hype you'll read on the internet. With the proper amount of skill. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that's where the patience come, comes in for the right shot and the mm-hmm. right opportunity and the right bullet selection and the knowing right Knowing the bear's anatomy, knowing you know, right. all of that. And, and if, you go, if you go back... Uh, to the earlier days of of even Kodiak, you know, you have a lot of guides that were operating with thirty out sixes, and now the, the, I I heard something to the effect of, and this is from another guide, that the theory was that guides wanted clients nowadays to carry more gun in an effort to make shorter blood trails, kill them a little bit faster, and to reduce the number of bears that the guides had to have the necessity to back up shoot. Yeah. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. That's, I mean, it does make that's sense. That's one way to look at it, but it, I've never heard any other guy to ever describe it like that, though. It does make sense that that would be the logic behind it. I yeah. mean, can you kill a 10-foot coastal brown bear with a 6.5 PRC? Sure. Yeah. Is it going to die quickly? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on where you hit that bear. So with factory ammo with a hundred and thirty grain Hornady CX copper bullet, yeah. if you shoot it in the lungs one time from inside one hundred and twenty-five yards, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know where you are, that bear will be dead in th- under a minute. Yeah, it, it, that's in ideal but circumstances. How far is it going to get in that minute? How thick is the country? It's going to. How be far is it going to get in that minute if it gets shot in the lungs of the four fifty-eight Wind Mag? Hopefully not That's, as far, <laughs> right? But but I'm not I'm not I'm not arguing for the the right. the fact. I'm just saying right. I can understand the logic behind it. Saying yes, we want somebody to carry a bigger rifle, right. so we're not, you know, doing several of the stories that you have told on the podcast <laughs> yeah. of you know crawling through thick stuff after yeah. a wounded bear. So yeah. I can understand why they would want that. Yeah. Whether or not it's actually tempting your life insurance policy. Yeah. Whether or not it's legitimate. Well, that's that's up to the user. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so let's yeah. shift this a little bit. We've talked a lot about the the ideas of what rifle to bring, what cartridge to bring. What are you guys bringing? 
Uh, <laughs> well, put, put you on the spot. You actually have to decide well, now. Well, <laughs> last week, Mo and I did go do some shooting. We did. And uh, it went quite nicely. Mm-hmm. I shot a 30 out six and a 300 wind mag. And like I said before, my seven mag has gotten the nod every year I've deer hunted down there for the last yeah. number of years now. Yep. But I put a big muzzle brake on it. That I, is a I, big I think, muzzle brake you have on that thing. I think that was like a year and a half ago now. Yeah. And it makes it so nice to shoot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in a controlled environment with earplugs or ear protection of some sort, it's awesome. Yeah. I can spot my own impacts when I'm hunting by myself. It's a really nice gun to use. But when I'm deer hunting, there are often a lot of, there's a deer, pull up the gun, pull the trigger. Yeah. It's that fast. You have a very short window of opportunity. Mm-hmm. That Sometimes in very close quarters. That is a major contributor to hearing loss <laughs> when you have a muzzle brake. Yeah. It's one thing when you touch off a 30 out 6 without a muzzle brake in the hardwoods and mm-hmm. you echo that around and that's pretty loud and your ears are ring for a while yeah at least mine do but when you touch off a 7 mag or a 300 wind mag or some some type of magnum cartridge with a side baffle muzzle brake in the hardwoods i'm i kid it's, you not it's gonna it, hurt it will make you deaf for hours mm-hmm. it's it's atrocious yeah after last year hunting with that gun with that brake pretty much decided I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. And it's kind of a bittersweet moment (laughs) because on one hand, I look at that gun and I say, the bolt doesn't lock down. It has a big old muzzle brake on it and I kind of want to shoot something else anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I'm going to bring my Tika 300 Win Mag as my backup gun. Okay. The primary is probably going to be that 30 out six. Yep. And I'm shooting 180 grain class bullets. Mm-hmm. And they're flying right around 2,700 feet per second. And they shoot. Oh, man, do they shoot good. <laughs> right. Woo! They do. Yeah. <laughs> good grief, do they shoot good. Yep. Um, so yeah. it's, it's a nice, easy gun to well, shoot. 22-inch barrel, super handy little rifle. I've had it for a little while. 22-inch, huh? Yeah, 22-inch. Interesting. It's interesting they went with that. Yeah, it's yeah. the Sako 85 Finlight. Mm-hmm. Discontinued action now, yeah, actually. Yep, yep. Sweet shooting little gun, though. Five in the magazine. Yeah. Just a that, handy little gun. That man. is one benefit. Uh, Super handy. I think almost every Yacht 6 I've had has had five, yeah. five down. All the Model yeah, but, 70s have five down. Yeah, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. You Because, know, I mean... I think the Rugers have five down as well in the Hawkeyes. They probably do. I, I think so. Yeah. I'd have to double check on that. I'm not sure. I just saw one of those for sale in the guide gun model with a 20-inch barrel. Oh, really? That wouldn't be a bad gig right there. Tried to put my name in that hat, but got no response. (laughs) Those those are handy little guns for a not six. That'd be a handy little gun. That would be. That would be. Stoke up some 220-grain round nose bullets in that thing for the bear bait with irons. Mm -hmm. Be a nice little gun. Yeah. Got to be careful with them with them auctions online for firearms. I've accidentally won them before. Not an auction. <laughs> not it wasn't an auction. Oh, was it? No. Well, different site. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Odd 6 is going to be the primary this year, I think. Yeah. If all goes well, I'll just try with the Odd 6 because it's nice and slow, but mm-hmm. it's it's a good balance. I think you're I think that's going to be an awesome yeah. awesome deer gun. What I'm about looking you forward to it? I'm planning on bringing uh 300 short mag like I did last year. As more of a backup. Okay. 
although I probably will end up killing at least a deer with it. Um, so confident. And then, uh, well, I say that based upon the fact of opportunity yeah. and range. Because yeah. I'm also going to bring a 30-30 with stock irons. It's yeah. a uh, Marlin JM stamp that I'm keeping all original. Yeah. Nice. And that's a hand-me-down from a family member. It is. Yeah. Very nice. That's a very special gun. So that's why I'm going keeping it all stock. I just, you know, yeah. it's, it's a nice gun the way it is. I'm mm-hmm. going to keep it nice. And, so you're um, going to take it hunting in the salt water and ruin it. <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> you know, I did it last year and I was able to keep it keep it from getting any rust or anything like uh-huh. that just by cleaning it yeah. every night. As long, and then when as I get long, home, really stripping it down. Yeah. As, as long as you're consistent with your maintenance, that's... Well, and... You know, it's, so here's... I have heard this and you can tell me whether or not you agree or disagree. I have experienced this to be true. Okay. But with guns especially, older blue guns don't rust as easy and don't wear out as quick. A hundred percent. Older, 100%. they have the, higher quality steel. The older bluing process. It's not the steel, it's the bluing yeah, it's process. it's the bluing process. It so really, yeah. the new bluing process is so cheap yeah. and so rapidly done that it's just, it doesn't offer the same protection it's, as like the traditional, like old okay. school Marlins. When it's they like used a, to blue those things, yeah. I mean, it was as good as stainless Yeah, in, in its time. You know, and so in modern bluing is like a bacon treatment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gotcha. as can be. Okay. okay, it's not a sense. full acidic bluing treatment yeah. like it used to be. Um, full on bluing absorbs into the steel itself. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's in the steel. It shouldn't wear off to looking like bare metal after a few years. I mean, after after a lot of continuous years of use, yeah, that, that'll happen. Yeah, it it still requires but, maintenance because but it, it is can still, be reblued. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you if you no, and, yeah. and you can get the kits that will apply the same level of bluing, okay, um, okay. if you do it yourself, or if you find a good gunsmith that can do it for you, that'll do it to the same standard that they used right. to. Yeah, um, but factory bluing these days is not what okay. it used to be. So that's where yeah. the big difference comes in. So yeah. so yeah, so that thirty thirty does have good quality bluing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, and it's a sweet rifle. I need to figure out how to adjust the sights on it. I know I can. The up down's easy. Yeah, figuring oh, out the side to sides. It's a pin. Like that little tap pin. Yeah, you gotta yeah. get you gotta get a. Uh, it, it's like a little punch. You, little punch. Yeah, yeah, you gotta use a punch and, and tap punch it. on a little trim hammer. Those old Marlins. I'd, that's how my old forty five seventy was. It was a pre Remington. I have to. Look, I have to look again. I didn't. It's see not a pin very anywhere, precise. But, um, <laughs> well, I already knew it wasn't gonna be that. Tap, tap, I figured it was a tap far. of some sort. Yeah. 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 yeah little rubber mallet and a little punch. Um, but <laughs> fifty yards and four inches left and four inches high. Very consistently, four inches left and four inches high. If uh, you take those 12-inch shoot and see targets, and you shoot, if I shoot at the middle one every time, you're just on the edge. I hit the top left orange dot. Perfect. (laughs) 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 Bullseye. (laughs) Bullseye. First time I shot, I was like, what was I hit? What in the world? Really? (laughs) Was I aiming there? (laughs) (laughs) I shot again, and it was a half inch from the last one. I thought, huh. Okay, well, mm-hmm. does it shoot pretty tight then? Well, it shoots really tight, especially for those old irons. Yeah, yeah. Remy's bringing an identical gun. Is he really? Yeah, same thing. Old irons. JM old irons Marlin. So I need That's it. All, I need to, I've got a load worked up for it with the hammers. I need to uh, sight it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tap tap at the range. Bring a bunch of them and <laughs> yeah. have Remy shoot them too. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Do Chances are it'll work. Now yeah. I shot should shoot nozzlers fine. out of it last year. I was shooting. Ballistic tips. Yeah. And those were straight on. 
Oh, are they? At least they were last year. So unless it's gotten bumped, which easily could have happened. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. You know, because those because we shot I shot those at the range before we went out last year, and and they were I mean I just shot a couple of them at you know a coffee can or something, and they were bang bang right to the mm-hmm. can at a hundred yards. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. Within one minute of coffee. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which is round about at for tonight, guys. So, about one minute away from my third cup of coffee. I'm <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wondering what you meant by that. <laughs> I, just, I, I just finished my cup of coffee. So, right on, right on. Either wrap this up or we're going to go two more hours. That's That seems to be how it goes, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to get well, out of here. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, for anybody listening, we do all work full-time jobs. And so we are typically, it, it, especially when you Wait, hear you us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus. <laughs> full-time plus jobs. Um, yeah. Cut the premium subscription to full-time. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> we get paid well, right? Exactly. Um, but a lot of times when you hear us goof up on what we're talking about, it's because we're recording these after a 10-hour day out in, out in the field somewhere. and. It's it's a lot of fun. We enjoy doing it. But, yeah. Um, this is done purely out of passion. <laughs> yeah. So now, if you are wanting to hear more about deer hunting tactics, um, I I hate to say this, in our very early episodes, that was one of the first things we covered. <laughs> now I'm going to warn anybody who started listening to the show later in our episodes, like let's say around. Maybe the late teens into the early 20s is when we really started to get the audio figured out. Um, times times got, have changed. Got some, you know, some things in the studio fixed with the echo and whatnot. Got some new mics. Uh, yeah. They are not going to sound as good. The first 10 episodes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. There's a lot of echo. Um, it, it's not unlistenable by any stretch of the imagination, but. I haven't um, listened to them. I can't. <laughs> but I, I can't. But there's a lot of good information in there. We talk a lot about uh, deer hunting stories from the yeah. past, uh, deer hunting right. tapti- tactics, tips, and different methods of of hunting in different yep. areas. So, if you are interested in that kind of nitty gritty information, go back to our earlier episodes. You'll find them. We, I think, we had some creative naming tactics early on where we, we were did. trying to do some. some I was some, really pushing for that. And <laughs> I <just> shot down <laughs> yeah. again and again now. So. But there, there should be deer in the subject somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, but it, and, and you know, it's and it's one of our our, our early episodes. So you know what, um, we did a couple episodes from deer camp last year. We did, we did at least one. We did at, at least one. I don't know yeah, if we did deer. Camp. I don't know if we did two, but yeah, us talking about what we were doing down there. I yeah. think we were about halfway through, maybe. Um, yeah. We sat down and, and recorded, uh, and ate some. We were eating some deer. And some duck, I think, That's during right. that time. We were eating deer tongue too. Yeah, That's deer right. tongue. Yeah, yeah, yep. and some some duck. I mean, it was a good time. We definitely know, definitely go listen to that if, one. If we do a uh, episode from Deer Camp this year, I know what we're gonna have to call it <sighs> Alaska's Deer Camp of Love. New, 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 new. I know what you're getting after. I know, I know you know what I'm getting after. <laughs> I know what you're getting after. And no, that's uh. Uh-uh. I know that just sounded really All wrong, right. probably to you, James, and a bunch of other people, but some of you out there get it. Yeah. For those of you that get it, it's funny. Those of you that don't think there's something wrong with us. All right. Well, you guys got anything else you want to add about this topic before we wrap up? 
No, just uh, appreciate you guys writing into the show and emailing. We got another email while we were recording. I saw that. About <laughs> this subject. About deer hunting, yeah. Not something we're going to talk about. Perfect but timing. We we'll almost should, just, but, um, but I don't want, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. We'll save it. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions about anything we talked about in this episode or any episode uh, or a question you would like featured on a future episode, uh, go to the website, thenorthernhunter.com, hit the contact button. That'll get us an email directly to our inbox uh while you're there if you want to shop from the shop page buy some merch get some hats hoodies t-shirts mo's wearing a hoodie and a hat right now looks mighty slick there and we also have the partners page with links and discount codes to a lot of different companies all related to the outdoors great products to get you out there help you be more successful be a little more comfortable and uh, those discounts can be applied at checkout uh following the links either in the partners page on the website or in the show notes of this show. Uh, again, if you have not already, please subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and a review. That helps light years in helping us get to new people, helping the show grow and helping us do more, produce more content, more platforms, and just do what we're loving to do. So yep. thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next week. Until then, get out there, get after it, and good luck. See you there. All right, folks, we all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.